record scenes that Tony was in. I would oh no, and it was when like the moment. Cameron Diaz gets to Florida. I was like, I didn't watch oh, any Shirley MacLaine. I, oh, I think too bad. Those I should, are great. Those Shirley really MacLaine's actually good. I was yeah. just like, and Ca- and I don't like this movie. Cameron Diaz acting. Cameron Diaz is much better when acting against Shirley MacLaine because Shirley is actually giving her some. Not that Tony isn't, but like she's challenging her a little mm-hmm. bit more, and and she, she like puts her in her place. Like when They're, Cameron sort of gives like a bad delivery, you see something in Shirley MacLaine's face where she's like. <laughs> Not even playing off the character, she's just playing off the attitude that Cameron Diaz mm-hmm. is giving her. Yeah, like there are moments in this movie. Are you I, recording? Yeah, I do like this movie, just because I had such a soft spot for it when I watched it a million years ago. Mm-hmm. But watching it now, I was like, "Oh shit, this is bad." I will probably <laughs> give it a half of a star. <laughs> it's not that bad. I think it's that bad. <laughs> Jesus, you Christ. think it's that bad? I hated it. Really? Uh-huh. I don't. So hate would you it. give a movie with two out of three? Of its leads give outstanding performances. I wouldn't say that. I mean, I didn't watch. Well, you didn't McClane, even see one of them. But I've <laughs> I of, the, of the two I saw, mm-hmm. I would still say no. So you didn't think Tony was good? No. Wow. I think Tony's good in it. I could never give up on a movie that quickly. What about when she screams, "Get out of my life!" <laughs> well, here's here's I mean, a. She's She's serviceable. Here's the she's fantastic. The argument for half Let's a star. The argument for half a star is that her sister <coughs> fucks the guy she's seeing, and then it's never really addressed, and they just sort of laugh it off later. Like that's a real betrayal. It is. That's a real betrayal, and the fact that that's never really honestly. She also dealt leaves with. her job as a lawyer to become a dog walker. You know, <coughs> the rat race had really gotten to her. She mm-hmm. wanted to swap the rats for dogs. Ah, uh, the first sentence is him saying that the term chick flick is misogynist. Of course. That's, oh, Roger. That's our Roger. <laughs> yeah. Roger that's, like, yeah. that's like, the only reason the review is positive is because he's like, it's more than a chick flick, and that's right. a derogatory term. And I'm good. Roger. I don't think he actually likes the movie. <laughs> he was making a stand. Mm-hmm. I love when... I love when Roger tries to make a noble stand. Mm-hmm. Same. God, look at her bell bottoms in the poster. They're like this wide. Cameron's? Yeah. I'm I love obsessed 2005. With, I'm obsessed with her whole wardrobe. <laughs> and the I put this in my letterbox log, but the dress she's wearing at the end at uh, when when they like trick Tony's fa- uh, fiance into coming mm-hmm. down to Florida. And she's wearing that dress that... Like Busy Phillips wears in White Chicks, yeah. and like a lot of ladies wore in that time. Where oh, it's the like, hammock. It's a double breasted hammock dress. Yes. And then there's a bit of a midriff between the double hammock. Yep. And it's just like such an unflattering, disgusting um, dress. Catherine Heigl rocked that and oh, knocked up. Big time. Mm. Big and time. probably in other films mm. as well. I don't mean to say it's disgusting because it like showcases the female form, it's just sort of tacky. And it doesn't do the body any favors, it's, I don't it's think. It's very of a time. Yeah. It's so weird that. Uh... That's period now. That's a period in time. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. It's no like longer. early 2000s are now mm-hmm. period pieces. And like pleated khakis for men. <laughs> well, and yep. also just like there, there's a level of whiteness to this movie that is yes. unexamined. And that also, which Curtis, is also Curtis Hansen, of early 2000s. who I love. I mean, LA Confidential is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Wonder Boys is a masterpiece. I think Curtis Hansen. So in my mind, if you've made two masterpieces, even if the rest of your films are trash, and I'm not saying that's the case with Curtis Hansen. Like, I am a fan of yours on some level. Um, but like the whole wedding in the Jamaican jerk chicken restaurant. Yes. 
And the fact Very that, like, the, weird. that like, the wedding opens with like <laughs> the ending black hands on a bongo. Like, it's like, like, oh my Jamaican god. Music it's over a little, the it's, a little appropriation. It's very weird. Yeah, it's weird. It's like it's the sort of thing where it's like done. It's hardest in the right place, but it just feels. I just love that this movie is over two hours. It's two hours and ten minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why? But I kind of loved that once I figured, like, I, I remember I paused it for the first time because I had to get up and pee, and it was, like, right when she got to Florida. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're halfway through this thing. Shirley just showed up, and we're, nope. like, 30 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> the movie feels like it's four hours long. Yeah. It's a journey. It gives you time to drink all the wine. Exactly. I don't know what time you... cinema. I don't know what time that you started recording, but, yes, like I was saying, it is the perfect half a bottle to a full bottle of wine movie. Correct. Red wine. Well, no, I mean, I bet it would work with white wine. Too. Rosé. Well, yeah. I was chugging a Charles Shaw rosé during my viewing Mm -hmm. of In Her Shoes. In Her Shoes. It was not, it was the other bottle of Shaw that I was drinking. (laughs) How many many bottles of Chuck Shaw rosé do you buy at a time? You know, I go through like seven a week. Nice. I love that. I drank a whole bottle on Sunday just as hair of the dog for my hangover. And then I drank the whole bottle because there's no alcohol in it. Oh, just yeah. sugar. Pride mm-hmm. weekend. What did we were all not participating? I participated. You did? Oh, I you went, did. I went to Pride Night at the Dodger game, and then I went yeah. to Precinct on Friday night. You were the participant. And of the then film I went bags. to go see Scenes from a Marriage at the Hammer on Saturday, which is its own rejection of heteronormativity and marriage yeah, that's and queer. the things. Yeah. That, I mean, it's yeah, it's queer if you think about how Bergman is poking holes in the in the image of the modern marriage of the material objects of the marriage of anyway. Um, Cause neither of you have seen it. Right. Mm, so no. I'll, I'll stop. I'll just shut right it's up. It's like four hours long, right? It's about six hours long. Oh, great. But it's, they're one hour episodes. Right. I it's highly recommend it. Yeah. It's one, it's, um, it's my I second favorite thing. Bergman did If I wasn't working, but we're going to go see Fanny and Alexander in a couple weeks. I'm now working. So no, we're not. Bitch. No. <laughs> that was to your, those are the people who hired you. Not Sad. To you. Are we going to talk about In Her Shoes again later, or did we just cover it? <laughs> no, I think that's pretty much it. Okay, well, then I just want to say real quick, this, the, the two oh, mo- we didn't talk about Tony. Well, I mean, I said she was amazing, Let's and Ben said she was to bad. Tony in In Her Shoes. In re- anyway, we'll yeah. get it. She's as bad as she can be, which is not that bad, in my opinion. Right. I, I think you know? she actually is... I think she's pretty fucking great at the movie. I think she's good. Yeah. She does such a great she's job. She's not great. I think she's good. Is she does I think this- she has a few great scenes. I will t- great we scenes. will talk about this when we get into Tony hmm. and why Hereditary is sort of the perfect, uh, I don't want to say apex, but I think it's her best performance in a very long time anyway, but it's sort of a natural progression yeah. to this role, but she's playing either the smartest person in the room or a harried mother. And, you know, after Muriel's wedding, basically. And I think in, in her shoes, she it's one of her best demonstrations of just being the smartest person in the room. And I love the way that she gives people looks and Mm -hmm. very slightly uh, edges out her superiority over them, even when she's holding like a bag of chips. You know, she still is like the more important party. I love her. But just what I wanted to say about In Her Shoes. Two more reasons why this is a half star movie, if you want to go down that road. 
there were two moments in the movie where I'm like, if you do the thing that I think you're about to do, you will never get me back. And <laughs> one of them is when she's walking like 10 dogs and arrives at the Rocky Steps in Philadelphia. Mm. I'm like, if you run up those stairs, Tony Collette, I am out. <laughs> and then the second is, and Ben didn't see this because he didn't watch mm. these scenes. But when... when I Cam- love selective viewing. When Cameron Diaz first shows up at Shirley MacLaine's um, retirement community home and then she goes to the bedroom, I was like, if she shuts that door on Shirley... I'm out. <laughs> and she shut that door. She slammed it right in her face. Wow. God damn it. Yeah. This movie's bad. I still feel like I watched it for like seven hours, even <laughs> though I only watched half of the second act. It's a long one. It's a long one. I watched every minute of my act. DVD. They're together in the third You have act. a DVD of this? Uh, Did you not see in the group chat? No. Yes. I own this movie thought, on DVD. I thought you just brought that back from memory that Roger and uh, that uh, Ebert and Roper gave it two very enthusiastic thumbs up. On the back of the DVD that I own. Nice. That I purchased with money. Nice. <laughs> I love that. Um, I think that it's a nice movie about sisterhood that just happens to be bad. Correct. That's exactly what it is. That's um, should I introduce what's happening? You're in charge this week, so don't don't oh. look to me for advice. Good. Hello. Okay, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello. Um, this is Movies IMO. We are your favorite film fags. I'm Brandon Kirby. I'm Ben MB. I'm Daniel Crook. And we're here today. And I'm Payman. Oh, no. <laughs> Hail Payman. <laughs> Hail Payman. It, it should be said we are in a completely blacked out room right now with a single <laughs> candle lit in the table. We're all holding hands. And it's like 6,000 degrees as, as hell has risen in it's LA. It's very hot. How yes. many tongue clicks can we do this episode? <laughs> oh, yours is high pitched, Ben. Well, I can do. He's been doing Alyssa Edwards for too long. Did you? Whose tweet was it? Was Hereditary has taught me that what straight people are most afraid of are tongue pops? I saw that. In I've my. a lot of jokes about that. A lot of jokes. In my screening of the film, and we'll talk. I'll bring. I'll talk about this more later. But packed house at the Vista. There was a straight man behind me, who was just clicking his fucking tongue like he was the funniest guy in the world. Oh, the homosexual so, in front of me kept doing that. But so, it's all men. Daniel, we're in the same Vista viewing. He as checked, you yeah, know. which gruff as the trailers ended and the movie was beginning. <laughs> like while the obituary is on screen, yes. he still has he scruff is, pulled up. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, that should be in like, his, that should be in his obituary. He showed his friend, and his friend was like, "What are you doing? <laughs> check this out, yo, yo, check this out." Um, Kyle was Kyle told me about the tongue clicking. He guy. was there too. Yeah, I don't know. I'm so mad at you that you didn't. <laughs> that I just I just figured you would be there with TJ and didn't. No, bother that's the thing. That, that, that you're like, oh yeah, I thought you'd probably be there. <laughs> And while whatever so, friend of the I pod, wanted to go home. TJ and I went to go see Hereditary <laughs> together. That's the movie we're talking about this week. And we were oh, in yeah. line. Oh, yeah. No, I'll properly introduce it. I know. I'm sorry. And we were in line, like the line that wrapped around sunsets around the building. And I was on Twitter and I saw something that you had tweeted that was announcing that you were seeing it for a second time. And I was like, TJ, check this out. How fun is this? He's, he's already seeing it again. And little did I know you were I was in already the seated. same theater. Mm-hmm. Um, we're here to talk about the Ari Aster debut, directorial feature debut, film, horror, indie, film, I'm just saying words. Yeah. Horror, indie, Sophisticated aura. Uh, the new A24 release, just words falling out of my mouth. 
It's called Hereditary. I was still in line there five minutes after the start of the showtime, and I was like, if I miss some of this movie, I'm going to cancel my movie pass, and I'm going to go to another theater. Oh, <laughs> smart. But I didn't. Uh, they held, you made it. They, held it for, they held it for ours, Because it was the last show of the day, so they can. Exactly. And they'll sell out the theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it started late oh, for yeah. us, too. Yeah, it's been a big hit at the Vista. Can, should we talk was, about that now? Or should we? The Vista? Well, no, I just want, you know, I don't want to get too regional The Vista here, can but... Venmo us $10. Yeah. Make they, it make it 30. We all win there. Cinema. <laughs> they, they can Venmo us like six because that's how much a matinee ticket is there. So the Vista, this I think you guys know this, but to our listeners who might not know, and again, not to get too regional, but the Vista is a single screen theater on the corner of Los Feliz and Silver Lake. And it is on the site that's where... That's the corner. Okay, Ben. It's what, a weird where? intersection. <laughs> oh, I thought you were naming streets. No, it's on Sunset and Hillhurst. I was like, and Hollywood. It it's 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 the, actually the worst. Not to get too regional, it's the worst intersection yes. in Hollywood. We're already regional. Yeah, but I, I, I know <laughs> I don't want to get too. Re- but I don't want to get too regional. So we're the there. Vista, the Vista is a beautiful old single screen theater with a neon marquee, like an Egyptian theme inside. But it sits on the former site of D.W. Griffith's Babylon. From the film Intolerance. That's wow. right. That is where it was. I love mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Just a fun fact. I love Which it. might I love explain facts. some of the, some of the, I don't know if that's why it's designed the way it is, but that would oh. be a, a good reason, the a good excuse for the decor, the old world antiquity decor. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite theater in LA. When I saw that I Hereditary was playing there, I had seen it at the Landmark and I was like, no. I have to see it at the Vista. I squealed when I found out I was playing at the Vista. It's great. Well, so let me just one week though. Let me it's just finish. What's happening with it follows too? I saw it follows uh, there, and it was just me too. It follows is great. Were there. we at the same it follows screening? Probably. Oh we see every movie together. We've we just been don't living parallel it. lives for God. four um, years. Let me just let me just um, tie a ribbon on this intro. Uh, but the, I wanted to talk about the Vista more. That's fine. We'll come back to it. Okay, sure. Um... So with Hereditary, we've made our theme this week, the performances of Tony Collette. It's a retrospective. Of Tony Collette, which, Daniel, you already said this tonight, but I think this is what her career has been leading up to. Mm-hmm. I think this is her best performance. Bless you, Ben. Bless ben. you. I, think, I really, like, worked up to that, too. <laughs> I had quite a sneeze at the, uh, at the Families Belong Together March today in Los Angeles, and I, like, stopped chanting for a second to sneeze well it was like and it was like a big uh, yeah. build up and i'm like god nobody think that i'm trying to end this chant too early like <laughs> the people united and i not to get Way too, to ruin solidarity yeah well all for all i'm a really i'm a really sloppy sneezer i have to say so i was worried oh. that i was gonna you know snot on someone well you said it but yes mm. Ooh, there's a bug mm. That happened at my little sister's graduation. You snotted on someone? I sneezed on my brother. Oh. And then he fainted. Oh. <laughs> not not, not, as a, not as a direct result, but he fainted and I had to like catch him in, in, uh, in my arms. That's, wow. It was like I was the, the, I was the fainting couch. He was Blanche <laughs> Dubois. It was kind of gross. Oh. It was great. And not, not, the only, not the only homosexual who has fainted into my arms before. Oh. What other uh, an ex of mine fainted? So at, this is actually this is so rough. An ex of mine fainted at a Dodger game like three or four years ago, and did you pee on his leg? 
different guy. <laughs> uh, he might have peed on himself while he oh. fainted. You, you never know. But it was actually really disturbing no. because he like faints. This is and, and it's like people are walking. We're not in our seats. We're like out by the concessions and the you know the uh, the souvenir stands and the dip and dots and there's hundreds of people walking around. And no one stopped to help him. And obviously, like, I, like, got down and was, like, trying to, like... And he just crumpled on the ground? He was, like... I mean, he wasn't unconscious, but, like, his eyes are closed. And I'm, like, he's in my arms. We're, like, on the ground. And I'm just, like, looking at all these straight people. And they're looking at me like a fucking faggot. And they were not interested in helping. And, you know, I did revive him. And we enjoyed the game. And I think that... Sounds about baseball. And I think that we lost. (laughs) Sounds like baseball. I know. Well, did I tell... Did I say last... I guess I wouldn't because this is the first podcast since I went to the Pride Night Mm -hmm. for the third year in a row at the Dodgers game. A straight couple got engaged on the Jumbotron during the game. Tweet about that. I posted a picture on the internet. Let's talk about the film we're here to talk about. Hereditary. 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 And I don't know if either of you faggots know this yet, but it's my... Number one favorite movie so far this year. Nice. There is, so this is this is a nice callback to the beginning, to the roots, the origins of this podcast. When every time it was Brandon's turn to host, he would declare <laughs> yeah. the film his favorite film of the year. Yep, <laughs> it's Florida Project. It's already begun. Yeah, didn't I host Black that's Panther right. and that was my favorite of the year? Yes. so far? yeah, that's always wow. what happened. Did I also host the Lynn Ramsey one and that was my favorite of the year so far? I don't remember. Uh, maybe. Keep it possible. I, I was never on... really here, so I can't speak to that. Everything <laughs> is possible. <laughs> I'm just staying on trend. Anyway, um, so is, you were never really here number two now. Should we do a quick catch up where everybody is on like top three of the year? My top three is Hereditary. Oh, my voice cracked. Mm. Hereditary. Mm. You were never really here. Really here. Here are your friends. I think it's Black Panther's number three. Nice. <laughs> Four is Zama. Cool. Well, I, you, you clarified because I think, you know, it's Ben and I's favorite movie. Yes, there. I'm aware. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> Enough already. <laughs> Mine is, which I wrote out yesterday, number one, Sama. Oh. Number two, You Were Never Really Here. Oh and three, Let the Sun Shine In. Oh. Mm, Un Beausoleil Interior. Ben and I saw that together at AFI Fest mm-hmm. in the fall. I saw it with my friend like an old lady who shut up. Hell yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you saw it. Yeah. yeah, he gave it four stars on Watermark. Oh. Four and a heart, baby. I remember we Wait. talked about you seeing it, and then I never saw a log, and I was like, oh, you must have missed it. No, I saw it. You saw it. I quite enjoyed it. When mm. Brandon Those it, end credits. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so mm-hmm. Ben and I, do you remember in our audience when we saw that, there were like these three ladies who just wouldn't stop cracking up every single Not time? Not really. Really? I don't remember We that. were talking about it while it was happening. Like, while Gerard Depardieu is like, Trying to like get Julia Binoche to like turn her affections to him, uh-huh. he's like, but it could be this, but it could be that. Uh-huh. Every time Gerard Depardieu would open his mouth after Julia Binoche would be like, you know, I'm just sitting here with my whole life ahead of me, and I'm wondering to myself, what does it all mean, and should I should I go after this, should I go after that? And then it would cut to Gerard Depardieu, and he'd say some like bullshit about you should love me, mm-hmm. and these ladies were cracking up every single time. That. I love and that. then there was a bit of a reaction in the theater to it. There's like people like moving around being like, oh, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. I can't believe you don't remember that. Were people getting up I during the quote unquote credits? Maybe some. I, that I don't remember. I mean, that's like a call me by your name thing. Yes. Like those credits are. Don't great. get up. I was like, if what? I knew that it it's was going right to. No, oh. the opener. I was trying to be discreet. Uh, I'm opening a bottle of beer. What Thank kind you. of beer? Oh, well, 
I'm glad you asked. Mm-hmm. This is a refreshing <laughs> amber-colored anchor steam made in San Francisco since 1896. Hey, nice. Anchor well, steam, come on already. Brandon? What episode is this? 36. Episode 37. And oh, Brandon, yeah. cheers to that. Wow. Uh, let's talk about Hereditary. Oh, no. What's your top three, um, Danielle? Zama, First Reformed, and The Writer. Nice. Look at our diverse list. Look at yeah. Mine's the most commercial. <laughs> well, we all is, have our own thing. Mine is all directed by women. Nice. Oh, nice. Good for you. Good for me. Mine is two out of three. My top mine six, is, which is the whole list so far, is four women. Is mine zero for three? I hate myself. I don't know. I mean, no, if, Lynn. If, oh, we're gonna, Lynn. if we're going to compete about who has the most women in their top movies of the year so far, I have Claire Denis at like number five. Great. <sighs> um, beau soleil. And tell you. Is it sun, space, shine, or sunshine, one word, debate? I don't know what it is. It's, <laughs> Nobody knows. I don't care to debate. I and you can't tell in the actual movie words. because... Well, it's never said, right? Is it said? No, she says something that he... Deborah Dew says, let sun into your life or something. I, I prefer referring to it as the French title because there's no <laughs> discrepancy there. I don't even yeah. remember what that is. Is that single word? What does what? the French title oh, mean translate to? Yeah. Oh, I thought we were all on the same page about we don't do that with foreign language films. This is the only one because because, because you don't know. Because it it's was, like Le Bonheur. Because it went by so many mm-hmm. different names at all of the English language festivals, too. Right. That's right. It was so... I think it's sunshine I mean, one word. I guess there is that moment in the film when, you know, Juliet wakes up and gets out, gets out of bed and opens up the windows and says, let the sun shine in. So that's probably what I'm going to call it. I like it as two words because then it doesn't remind me of the song. Or it still does. I like, but that, it's it, I like that it makes song. shine a verb. Yeah, because it's letting the sun shine in. Not letting the sun light. shine in. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. And you have to let that sun shine in. You have to open you the windows. The you have to move aside in. the that's curtains right. of your emotional bear, you know, of your emotional walls. That's right. Great film. I felt so fucking red watching that movie. I I relate so much to her. Oh, goodness. Doesn't she want someone to be mean to her, to hit her or something? Yeah, and then she doesn't. (laughs) And she changes her mind all the time. Yeah, she constantly changes her mind. She doesn't know what she wants. Well, think about like the actor that I think he's an actor that she sees, the guy who drinks like four beers in Mm -hmm. in the span of five minutes. Yeah. She's totally like trying to make it work. And that's why I don't really date that much. Is I I try too hard to make it work, and th- while while also sort of resenting that person. Nice, yeah, such a hassle. Where do we want to start? Let's start with Hereditary. Well, why don't you start At with the something? Very beginning. It's your favorite <laughs> film of the year. Yeah. Okay. So I'll just talk about. Should we give a synopsis of the film? Oh, right. So Hereditary is about a matriarch of the Graham family who passes away. She's the grandma. And she was very secretive. And her daughter, played by Toni Collette, her name is... Annie. Annie. Um, I don't know. She goes through shit. She like... (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm (laughs) Shit happens. Shit happens. So it's her, the husband... The daughter, Charlie, and then the son, Pete. Peter. Peter! Played by Alex <laughs> Wolf. Um, and, I don't know, evil is passed down from the grandma. Like, the grandma placed a curse on this family, and, sh- like, shit goes down. Like, they're... 
witches. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Someone jump in. I, I mean, I can help. Every one of them witches. <laughs> All of them witches. It's just... It's, I can help with this. Yeah. If you want. Yeah, please. I mean, it's not that she puts a curse on them. It's that in a way, she is doing her family like the best possible service she could give them as a member of a coven that they are to be the sacrificial lambs. Like, right. That, that Payman, demon of hell, Payman who she worships, who she believes is like the best fucking thing on, like best, mm-hmm. best guy on the block, king of the world, yo. Love Payman. What if, like what a service she's doing her family, That's, you know? Right. That note that Tony Collette picks up, she was like, the rewards will be worth right. the sacrifice. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, I just like that the, in the opening, the, the eulogy. The um, obituary. Oh, no, I'm sorry. sorry no, sorry. the actual yeah. eulogy yes, where Tony's yes. talking, she's like, my mother was very secretive and... Stubborn. I mean, there is... There's there's the whole, like, it being a metaphor for, like, trauma and grief, which is but also... But I don't even think it's a metaphor. I think it's really clear that that's just the central journey that the characters are going on. Yeah. I mean, but I think you, there's more... I think a metaphor in the fact that, like, if you were to, like... Same way, I can... I, it's very similar to the Babadook for me mm. in the fact that, like, it's... I, I told you I was going to do this. It's about grief. <laughs> no, and it is about grief. And I. But if you strip away all the supernatural stuff, it's still about like how dysfunction in family like rots and like gets worse and worse. Uh, what I like about this film in conversation with what I th- now I'm realizing I thought we were going to open the podcast with, which was a conversation about the piece of theater we all saw the other oh. night. Oh, Eugene O'Neill's Long Day's Journey Into Night starring Leslie Manville and Scar himself, Jeremy Irons. Right. Oh, God. I think that both, and I, you know, obviously one is a superior piece of work. Hereditary. No, um, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that Hereditary is quite on par with one of the greatest American plays ever written, but I enjoy that they are both seeking to explore the ways in which the idea of a perfect American family is ruined by itself. And that it's uh, inevitable that there yeah. are that there are cycles of violence, of repression, of mental illness, of I already said violence, but that are passed down from one generation to the next. And in Hereditary, and obviously in Long Day's Journey into Night, you can see it's it's the alcoholism, it's the rage, it's the the idea like the terminal diagnosis of the world, but. And hereditary, we see it pa- ultimately passed down to the Alex Wolf character, like from grandmother to Tony, mm-hmm. and then from Tony to him. Yeah, which we can get more into it later. But that's that is where I think more of a metaphor. If, I mean, I I don't still I don't not, think this is like a, a metaphor movie. It's not a metaphor. That's the wrong word. It's it's but the the through line of like grief and like. But it's more than grief. It's it's like it's it's yeah. It's, it's, it's the best mistakes, thing about it is flaws. it doesn't. Do the well. It was in the end. It, it was, was all only a dream. In her head. Yeah, right. That's well, that's the best that's thing the. I agree. No, movie. I agree. That is it's what one I, of the more audacious things about it. I think even even when you don't take into account like digging into like the family dynamic of it all, because the first time I saw it, I didn't really think about that part of it. It mm. wasn't until you were the just second, waiting for the thrill spills and chills, which delivered. Like yes, I agree. The the first time I saw this movie. um I've seen it. I'm going to do the Oprah thing. I've seen this movie now twice. Three fingers up. (laughs) Um, I I just love a visual joke in an audio medium. Yeah, thank you. The first time I saw it, it, I had such a, like, physical response to it as a horror movie that I haven't had in, I mean, it's cliche to say, but it's, like, the best horror movie I've seen in a very long time. I mean, that's stupid to say because Get Out. But, like, 
this affected me physically in a way that like I didn't expect. Like I was like so like frightened and like nervous and I was like shaking. Mm-hmm. Like, my neck my neck really hurt after this movie. Yeah, because of how tense body, my upper body was. You can feel the whole audience like exhale once it's over. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just such a good without even thinking about like the deeper themes it explores about family and what's passed down. Um, but just as a horror movie, just like the word visceral has been tossed around a lot with this movie, but I think it fits. Mm-hmm. Ben, why don't you say something? I have, I have, I could go off that, but I feel like well, we're dominating this, and yeah, I'm just, ben, I'm just gonna be. Let me just get this out. Let me just really person. Yeah, let on me. This episode. That's fine. I just want to get on the record. So I have. I don't. I'm, I don't take whatever Ben is going to say and whatever I'm going to say about this movie. There's nothing personal there whatsoever. <laughs> so please just be the really person. Let's have a. Let's have yeah, an honest. Let's have shit. an honest debate about the movie. I don't think it's very scary. Really, I'm not scared at all. Also, the music in the first act it made me want to kill myself. It's so like you are watching a horror movie. Listen to this music, but and it, I hated it. But what I, I really? wanted to kill myself. What, but what oh, I like, I like what score. I like about the movie is even though the way that it's been written is that it's a family drama that is slowly creeping into a horror film. I think that it the, the not only does the film know it's a horror film from the beginning, but the family members all feel like they are living in some sort of. I think it's dread. fine. They are living if in it's a, a horror movie from the start. But my my point is is that I think the family the, 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 the family is fully aware that they are living in a nightmare. I mean, with the death of the grandmother, and clearly there are these tensions between every single member of the family. Things are not good in the yeah. house. It's, it's just, I, it, I don't know when things from, were good with this family, but there is a lot it of seems things like never. People are not saying what they mean to each other until they do. Everybody, and this is also true about Long Day's Journey and Tonight. Everybody is code switching depending on who they are speaking to in, in whatever room. But it, this is a. I just love the exploration of the American home as an unholy space in this film, and that is why. I mean, I I hear your complaint. I don't agree with it because I think that all of these characters would be hearing that same, like on the tip of the Dictia Mayor horror music in their heads. Tip of the Dictia. I think it's very reflective of their, of their mental state. Just like I, I think it would just be more effective without it. But that's tense. No, I get that. This is where I I think think there's a question of like, and I guess we can, I want you to say your thing, but let me just put this out there. So I remember to put, come back to it. But I think this is a very subjective film and, 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 and deceive and actually really deceptive ways. So I'll get back to that later. Brandon. What was I going to say? I don't remember. I just think from the first frame, this whole thing, I mean, the movie opens with an obituary. Like, you're in for it. Like, the minute that happens, the second that happens, you're like, this is going to be fucking dark. It's going to be a horror movie. It's going to be... And it just drips with dread Mm -hmm. and despair from the first moment. And it's just a downward descent in into the words of Danny Brown hell, literal hell. downward spiral mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I think it works so effectively in that like just being like you they, it starts low and mm-hmm. then just like keeps like digging its way into hell what I like about the obituary opening is reading the obituary and again by presenting this overly sanitized overly positive 
um, examination of a woman's life, which is defined by her family members, but in a way that is like, and they will carry her torch and they will make her life worth living by making her proud. Like it really, from the very beginning in this obituary, gets at the idea of what we see on the surface and then what is behind the front door of the house. This is what I love about Big Little Lies. This is what I love about Long Day's Journey and Tonight. The idea of outward perfection mm-hmm. masking a rotting carcass that is the american nuclear family yeah and the whole like putting up a front i feel like what am i trying to say like the model houses that she does Mm -hmm. like that plays into that very well yeah i um do you want to talk about her art the model houses it starts with a zoom in yeah to the model house Mm -hmm. into peter's bedroom which a lot of people have called a gimmick but i think it's very cool I didn't like it. I think. (laughs) (laughs) So you didn't like the music at the start. You didn't like the first shot of the movie. So do you not like it because it's show offy or because you don't think that has anything really to do with what the movie is about? I didn't think it has anything to do with what the movie is about. But after listening to explain it, I get it more. I think what it, is explain I think it? I think it's, as you were talking about the nuclear oh, family. I think it's just like about. <laughs> I thought, you're like, I thought there was up. this like this Spark Notes podcast called Explain It. I'm like, can I? Where do, where do I download it? <laughs> After listening no, I, to you specifically right now. But well, then I'll let me then let me add on to this. Like keeping up appearances and like how mm-hmm. like you said, Daniel, the front but I, is not what's right. It's happening it, it, behind. It's, it's like it is a cross section of a house. It, the mm-hmm. the front, the artifice, it, the uh, that mask is stripped up. Right. But the other thing that I the reason why, I mean, I think this is a very cruel movie. I also find it to be intensely compassionate. And the reason why is because I do think it is quite earnestly an examination of the families, but specifically Tony Collette's grief, dread, and anxiety, and how she explores it through her artwork, which is all miniatures, but specifically the stuff in the rooms of the house. So that's part A. But then think about whenever we at the table, you the listener, each of us individually, when you are in your own doomsday scenario, whether it be professional, whether it be personal, you are working out, unless you are totally sane and, and balanced, in which case I don't know what the fuck you get out of us talking about movies, but think about how you play out that worst case scenario in your head. That That's what anxiety is in a lot of ways, like projections about what's going to happen in the future, and it, it will be a doomsday, a worst case scenario, that she is working that out through her miniatures as, as a way to work through her grief, but then the house itself is explored so dioramically, if that's a word, it's dioramic, the house, mm-hmm. that that ends up becoming a projection of the mental space or like the, 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 the grief she's trying to work through. That's why it's compassionate, but it's also, it's also very cruel because the movie is like, oh no, that's exactly what's happening. Right. Like that worst case scenario, that nightmare in your head that so, like your therapist is going to say, but like, but it's not going to work out that way. Everything's yeah. going to be fine. But it actually it does. does. Yeah. Um, but that's the other thing while we're on the topic of the miniatures and the physical space of the movie. Yeah. This, so like Ben, your log, you said what I like most about the, is the humor in this movie. Mm-hmm. And the first time I watched it, I, I felt only pure dread, pure horror. And the second time I was like, oh no, there's like that. It's and, very funny. I think the Ann Dowd moment. There, yeah. Say, say your, what? say your moment. <laughs> They're doing, the first, they're doing the first seance, and Tony Collette is like, can we stop? And Anne Dowd just goes, what? <laughs> no, there, there's moments of levity in this. Um, I also and it's, really it's like, usually Tony Collette like, reacting or, to things. Or it's Peter reacting. Yeah. It's oh. not Gabriel Byrne, because Gabriel no. Byrne is sleepwalking yes. through this movie. 
It's um, which I hope a second time makes me be more okay well, with. The, but I think that's a problem with the movie. The the dad when he says, "Oh, it's, there's more. It's not just your mother's decapitated corpse in the attic." Yeah, that moment. I love I love that we don't go up to the attic with him. We just hear him be like, "No." <laughs> like, <laughs> what were you He's gonna a say? Um, I was just gonna say I really relate to Peter's reaction to killing his sister. <laughs> <laughs> oh god that, that's exactly what I would do I would drive home and I would go to bed I know yeah. 100% that's how I would I, I loved Ooh. that scene because it's seriously it's real like what what else do you it's like, do it's like when you hit the horse and lean on Pete and you don't get out of the car <laughs> he doesn't yeah. get out of the car no seriously oh, yeah, I thought exactly of right. lean on Pete when he when that happened <laughs> I did y'all gasp when she was fucking decapitated I got I, yeah, I started I didn't know that's what I, this movie was neither did I and then that and of course I like, didn't know that that actress like dies so soon yeah. I don't want to spend too much time talking about the trailer of this movie because that's a that's not the movie itself even though I if I haven't said on mic I think that the hereditary trailer is one of the best short films of the year but they make it look like she's in like the whole she's, movie she, that she's an integral component mm-hmm. of the of the furthering of the horror that right. she is acting as acolyte for her grandmother's unholy agenda which she is in a way but she exits pretty quickly yeah. but I started gasping as soon as she ate the cake Mm. I knew something was going to happen. I because you saw the the knife cutting up the walnuts. No, I mean I was going to say I'm an idiot because I didn't like make the nut connection immediately. Mm. Oh, I was like, oh my god, it's going to be an edible cake <laughs> because oh. they were all smoking weed in the yeah. previous scene. Oh, you and thought I, she was going to get high. I, I, but like too high. And I didn't think she was going to die. Yeah. I like almost like slapped TJ. I was like, guys, there's weed in that. <laughs> did you guys notice that on the telephone pole that decapitates her, it has the symbol? Uh, no. But it, does it have it when she hits it? Or does it have they it the next drive, day? They drive to the party and the camera follows the car and then it stops on the pole. Oh, yeah. That eventually... Kills her well, I and guess it has the symbol. We on don't know. It. If, so we don't know if Charlie was already. Charlie probably already was possessed because she was supposed to be the delivery system. She yeah. was supposed That's to be the vessel. Ask, yeah. If you guys understand the timeline of the possession, I yes. do. I I think I have an idea. So I, let's talk about like, that because I, I truly don't. I think a lot of it is like preordained. Like I think somehow the grandma or like that's why. Tony Collette like was so adamant about Charlie going to the party because like the grandma knew that like what's pre- it would like the pole would kill her like what's- why else would the symbol be on the pole that I that I can't explain but the preordaining of the house is abundantly it, it, it is abundant with um with words uh, I want to say imagery but that's not the right word just like these these satanic ritualistic mm-hmm. words that are writ- scribbled in pen all over satanic. the walls of the house Sa- satanic the, some satanic verses. Salman Rushdie can Venmo us 25 oh. euros. But I feel like he lives in Europe. I don't know. But the whole thing is that Alex Peter was supposed to be, he was the firstborn. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be the chosen one, but Annie kept him away from his grandmother. Right. When Charlie was born, the grandmother sort of for- forced her way into it and they reconciled. And as it was brought up, she like breastfed Charlie. So she was prepping this little girl mm-hmm. for 
to be the vessel mm-hmm. of, of bringing payment into the earthly dominion. Right. And that is why, and I think Charlie knew about this on some level. Charlie, I feel like Charlie. knew. I think she knew because the, when when she says that's to, why she's like cutting the head off the bird, yeah, and like walking to the grandma in the praying in the with the field and the fire, exactly. So she she knows she knows like, like and, and she's a child. What's happening? She, I mean, she's like what twelve or thirteen in 13. the movie, and that's why when she asked Tony Collette, she's like, "What's gonna happen when you die?" Exactly. She, I mean, she knows this, this that is why Tony like, Collette's gonna have to be sacrificed. But I feel like if she, I feel like. Charlie knows it abstractly. Yeah, because, she doesn't fully grasp like because otherwise what it she means. wouldn't say that in such a childlike, innocent way to her mother. Like, what happens when you die? Right. Yeah. But what I love about that moment in the movie, and this is almost where it doesn't play into the obvious horror instinct, is that Annie reacts totally. Um, she doesn't even. She's not even weirded out by it. She's like, "Oh, of course you would ask me that." Because this is where the family drama kicks in. Mm-hmm. Like, honey you know, eventually I'm going to die mm-hmm. and you'll be fine. Your brother will take care of you. Your father will take care of you. Blah, blah, Like, uh, anyway. Did you guys think, cause I read it two ways when, um, when the seance happens, the first seance with Charlie, much like the seance we're having right now. Yes, exactly. Mm. Everyone palms on the table. Everyone's Just go with present. it. Just go with it. Give yeah, it a shot. Read this, read this word for word, which I'll talk about, <laughs> say your thing. And then later um, I'll say my thing. Because there's, I feel like there's two readings. Because um, the first time, uh, we are still recording, right? Sorry, with this new system, when I can't constantly yeah. check my screen, I'm very paranoid. Yeah, don't even touch it. If this is red, we're good. Wait, red? There will not be. Is this the sixth sense? Mistake. Is this the sixth sense? Red? Hello. Red dots. Um. Oh, we still have to talk about. T- we're 41 minutes in. Okay, we're fine. We've got another hour um, to go. So after. Tony Collette is convinced by Ann Dow to do the seance to get Charlie, and then all she starts like Joan. putting all the pieces together. Bless, Bless you. you. Uh, she starts putting all the pieces together, Bless and she you. starts she starts um, like telling the husband what's up, and especially the moment where she's like, "You have to throw this book in the fire. Like I'm gonna die. It's gonna. I'm gonna. I'm connected to this book. I'm going to burst into flame. Blah blah blah." blah. And then. She tries to sacrifice herself. She tries to sacrifice herself, but I wondered the first time I saw it if she, at that point, already knew that he was going to be the one who burst into Or if she was already possessed. Because you see the light go into her. The light is like the possession. Right. You see it go into her at once he bursts into flame. Like, Mm. she's horrified, and then you see the light, and her face completely goes flat. Right. So, and the next thing, she's crawling up in the rafters. Right. So That's I, really the last I, time we see Annie. I think she is sincere all the way up until that exact moment that she becomes I think that's possessed. probably right. I think that's probably Because I right. think... Because, Ben, I thought you would love this movie because it's about a woman who no one's Everyone thinks is crazy. No one is, okay, let's get into this. <laughs> yeah, sure. I have a problem, and I, I've been thinking about it all day, and I don't really know how to articulate it. I have a problem with Annie as a character, not with... Tony's performance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but with Annie as a character, it's like... On the page. Yeah. Yeah. It's like... Well, first of all, a lot of my... I don't want to say distaste, because I do like this movie. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. It's fun. But... Um, yeah, surprisingly, it's really it's fun. fun. It is really yeah. fun. It's a fun movie. That's where it delivers like a horror movie. Yeah. Where you, how you it's want very it to fun. Yeah. Um, it's a roller coaster. A lot of my like issues with it are just like... As a filmmaker, I wouldn't have done it this way. And I know that's not fair, but that is how I think about movies. I'm sure. like, uh, it's not, it's like, I've been trying to put words to it. And like, 
I keep going back to it's like she's a victim, but she's not a victim. It's like she's too passive, but she's not too passive. But there's like something off about the way that the character is written that bothers me and I don't like it. And I thought that this was really going to be the Tony Collette movie and mm. it's more of an ensemble. It is. I didn't it know is. that. I didn't and either. I, and it's I don't really like the Alex Wolf that. That, yeah. movie. It's very much an Alex Wolf movie yeah. and that bothers me. And like when she, the first dinner scene when she lays into Alex, mm-hmm. Peter, um, my favorite scene. When, movie. when Tony Collette is screaming, "Why do you not do it in one shot on her face?" I don't, I don't understand it. I don't know why there are reaction shots. There should be one reaction shot of Peter, and yeah. that's it. It should play out on her face. There are shots of everything. There's a wide shot. It's insane. Yeah. Why would you go anywhere but Tony because, Collette's face? Because, I don't get it. Here's why. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that I wouldn't prefer for it to be Tony Collette's movie. This that's is a good a, point. This is another thing. That I, is her Oscar. This clip. is another mm-hmm. thing. I I struggle with the movie a little bit. That I would prefer prefer for it prefer for it to be a woman under the influence when actually it's more. I hate that I can't come up with a better example than this, but August Osage Cup. Mm. Like it, it really nice. is. It is. It is a family story. It's Eat the sort the of thing fish, where like, bitch, like, uh, wipe that face off your face, bitch. <laughs> yes. The, Wait, you, you have that, that face, face on, on your, your face. face. I love that. I, I want to talk scene. about the emotionality. Can we talk about that scene. Wait, no, no. I want to. We are talking, talking about that scene, right? But it didn't like. I I have to see it a second time for a couple reasons. One is that I have to go in knowing that while it is the Tony Collette show, it is not the Tony Collette story. Right. And that's okay. That's okay. Mm-hmm. It's a it's where the movie becomes a victim of um of expectations, I think. And I, and I said to TJ after we walked out, I actually need five more five more minutes of this movie. And I don't want to lose anyone else's perspective. Because I think so much of what's happening in her head and with every other character in the family is how are my actions like first and foremost i am i'm working as a almost like a lucrecia martel monster like i'm which is what how she mm-hmm. refers to her characters they're monsters of want they go into a scene and they want something and that's their agenda and oh and i can't wait to talk about tony collette as a physical and facially expressive performer going going down the line here she has quite the face but mm-hmm. i i do think so, so, so I, I think that, that <laughs> <laughs> the face on her face so I do think that's the primary motive of all the characters here, but because it is a family drama, something about a family is that your actions impact every other participant and theirs impact you. So I really think you do need those reaction shots because this movie is so much about the relationships. And even though this is her scene, this is her moment to shine, and I want to see that unbroken shot. I want to see the daily and I want to watch it every morning before I get started with my day. Same. But I really think you need those reaction shots in order to build the familial tension that is driving this movie up to its climax. I think you would get it af- enough after she leaves the room and you have the But the, but no no together. no no but if she's leaving the room she's not it's what I'm saying is she, you need to see her seeing the reaction that other because otherwise yeah but the, otherwise but we're she, not on her face enough to see her seeing it but we don't need to see her register like I this is why again I think this is such a subjective movie I think that when we cut to Peter and and also Gabriel Byrne just sort of you know both empathetic for her in this moment but mm-hmm. flabbergasted and aghast and disgusted a little bit that she is saying these nasty she's blaming her son for her daughter's death. I think that seeing those reaction shots, that is what informs her guilt moving forward through the film. And I don't need to get, I mean, we do get a reverse shot on her. She keeps talking. But I think just seeing the close-up of them reacting in the way I just described is enough for me to carry on and build up that potential energy up to the climax 
all of the guilt that she is wearing on her shoulders. Yeah, that's because seems... this is a movie where I feel like she knows she's the villain of the movie. Mm-hmm. Not that I think she's the villain of the movie, but I think that Tony Collette consider Annie considers himself herself both the hero and villain of this yeah. movie. Yeah, I think that's this, fair. This scene worked for me. I don't know it. I was very affected. I also think a lot of the scenes as writing, this is also just like a personal thing is like, I think like conversations don't follow the way that I think they should. Mm -hmm. And I know that's just me. Right. Like experiencing this movie, but like the, when, when the daughter is like, what will happen when you die? It's like, it's like, there's something that I want from Tony Collette's response that I'm not getting. And it's just like, Every and it's just like I wish I saw her find the body. I wish I saw her confront Peter the moment she finds the body. I, it is it's just like it's that just like I want out. these. That's really when things. it becomes her movie is after Charlie dies. Yeah, and it's just like I want these things, and it bothers me that they're not there. And it's just it's just a thing of this is the movie that I would make. Right, right. I have those scenes. Mm-hmm. Responding to two things you said, one is that with a lot of these emotionally frank conversations that characters have with one another, at first it took a little bit of an adjustment for me because it's also not necessarily how I would write them. I'm thinking like, it's a little tip of the dick to you, Govna. Like they're, they're just being a little too hyperbolic in a way that doesn't feel naturalistic. Oh, see, I'm, I feel like it's like they're withholding. No, but I was going to respond to that secondly. Okay. But I'm just saying that like, there were times when the words that were coming out of people's mouths just sounded a little too particular, like a yeah. little too chosen. Yeah. But this is where it really reminds me of a Bergman chamber drama is that in like winter light an hour of the wolf is the movie is the Bergman movie. I thought of most with this, like there are long stretches where people are saying things to each other, whether they're being withholding or being way too explosive where it feels hyper real. And yet there is, I do think there is a naturalism to it and that it ends up like I'm doing such a poor job of explaining myself, but that, that hyperbolic, like messy quality ends up being truer to life in my experience rather than having like everyone saying like the, the most perfect sharp thing to each other. Like the, again, the face on your face mm-hmm. is the type of slip up that you make that I make on this podcast all the time yeah. when I'm trying to make my point, but I'm too caught up in the fire of the moment. Um, yeah. It's like, I love that because that's real. Totally. That feels very yeah. authentic to the moment. But the withholding I think is great because it kind of builds up this fog of depression to the whole movie. That that there that there are pieces missing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's the, just like when she makes Peter take Charlie to the party. The way they have that conversation is so good. It's very fraught, but it's also not enough for me. It's like I think it's just right. I think it's perfect. Because I mean, the way the their their tone to each other because it, at that it, point, it gives you my so much. reaction is why would a mother make a sixteen year old take his thirteen year old sister to a party? My, and that, you don't because she didn't know her kid was going to die that night. Yeah, but I but, just I think it's crazy. I just don't know that parents that would do. That. I see the way that I read it is that she's I, she's one. I'll say it real quick, Brandon, because you're wanting to jump in here. Actually, why don't you just say it? Well, just because I actually think that might play into, and this might be me reading too far far into it, but I think she was like subconsciously supposed to try to get the daughter to go. And I think that's right, but that's not on the screen for me. Sure. 
Sure, and yeah. that's the issue. Unless you see that symbol on the post, you might think, "Oh, this was supposed to." It's this like, was why? all planned. Yeah, but the thing is, is what's not what's not planned is the nuts in the cake. That's where I don't really agree with what you're saying. And Peter alludes to when they're fighting, like, "Why did you want her to come with me?" And there's a very like she just wanted to be alone, or she has a death right. wish for the children. Yeah, and it's just not. I just need it in the moment. Two things. What the first is I'm going to read about what Brandon said, which is that I think that we're I think that all over this town there are pieces of these this satanic symbology, symbolism rather or maybe symbology actually. Like all over the town because there are all these other members of the coven mm-hmm. who are living regionally. The guy who smiles. The, yeah. Yeah, there's there's Did you, you notice is the same guy at the funeral and the guy who's naked at the end yes. of the house? Oh no, yeah. I didn't. I love it, it's it, so creepy. Um, I love a smiling naked man so, but, in the shadows. I do too. It's very Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. and it's also very. It comes at night. A movie I don't like very much, but Ben likes, right? I do. Yeah, it comes at night. Yeah, the Trey Edward Schultz movie from last year that yeah, Twenty Four Hours released. Is there a guy smiling? In the Not woods? smiling, but there's like a naked old man. There is. The, well, like the grandfather, he's there's like bleeding the from the mouth. Yeah. But hold on, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to lose my point here. What I think it is is that Tony was doing the thing that because do either of you have siblings who are like closely in age like about three years i i certainly with my parents whenever my brother who's two and a half years older than me or two years older than me so almost that exact difference when he would go off and do something they'd be like you ought to ask you ought to bring your brother along and vice versa too so that reads as very very honest to me and i also and i also think that tony is sort of challenging him like oh well if it's a very you know, low key party that you're going to. If it's very, if it's school associated, bring your sister. And I think on, I think the way she's playing it is, if if it's something that Charlie really shouldn't be at because it's like people are going to be drinking and it's like she knows that Charlie is sort of socially maladjusted. I think she assumes that Peter is not going to that he will. She'll be calling him on his bluff. Right. And then if he's not lying, then she should be there because they go to the same school. So table that so i don't think that she's possessed in a way and that the coven has already you know the grandmother has gotten to her to push the daughter along to her death i think because what's important is that the nut cake is not preordained there's no way to there this is like the thing about like conspiracy theories that like one there are no conspiracy there's no conspiracies because no one can keep the secret and two they're just way too built on coincidence yeah and that's way too built on coincidence but because like i said and i'm tying this up because there are so many members of this coven in the town there are probably landmarks like that pole all over the town and she's going to die yeah i mean i don't so by decapitating her there i don't quite believe that Tony Collette is pushing the daughter to go to the party. I think it is. I think, I think she also I, wants to be alone. I think that scene is more about the, the family drama. I think that's me reading too far into it. Um, but her calling, trying to call the bluff is what I love so much about the scene. And what is rings so true to me about like with my parents anyway, in high school, like if I'm going to a party, they're like, Oh, interesting. So, um, is it at the school or are parents going to be there? Yeah, I just, you know? I just love the tone that... Yeah, my parents didn't do that. My parents never made my sister take me places. You have older siblings though, right? Yeah. So you're the youngest. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I'm not. I'm the second oldest. So it's a different thing. I mean, I my mean, sister had the same thing as me. So your parents just a different parenting style. Yeah. So it just rang false are to you me. An, and you're I just not like, an only child, Brandon. You have a sister, right? I have a sister. Yeah. 
and I just don't see the motivation for that moment on the screen. It's just properly. I I just I you, you have to you have to believe me like that is that is a thing that parents do. I just think the tone that she uses with Peter and the tone he uses back in one scene. They're trying to get each other. To, they're trying to call you, each other out on their bluffs. You, you get so much about their relationship in just one scene. And mm-hmm. it's and it's unsaid, which is what's so smart about the writing. I no, I feel, I do, I get what it means for their relationship. I just feel like it feels like a device to get her to die, like a screenwriting device. I mean, that's <laughs> fair. I, 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 think, I think that where that might hold water is that I think that the screenplay has a fatalistic view of the American family and that ultimately they will all be responsible for each other's demise. And that's where maybe it gets cosmic but it doesn't read as convenient to me because that's just so on theme Mm -hmm. i also speaking of what i feel is convenient in this movie yeah why how is Anne dowd at the first like grieving session because she's stalking her yeah she's talking how do we know that because she's close with the grandmother. As soon as the grandmother's How, been dead, we don't is have that in to. The movie? It's a pet. No, 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 no. That's, we don't that, know that's that ridiculous. Till later. Because that's that's to say that like in Rosemary's Did baby. Did you guys even notice her in the first yeah. group? Because sure I didn't. Yes, I did. Because I see Anda. TJ I and I. And TJ and I actually did like smack each other for that. Because she. That, that's what's so great is that she's just planted. Yeah. And you don't. She doesn't say anything right. until you see her. Chase her down. But I, I think Anne Dowd is so good in this. I think she's fantastic. I mean, she's good in everything. The Ruth she Gordon does. of her generation, truly. Mm. But see, in Rosemary's Baby, they live in the building. So, like, right. it makes more sense to me. But the difference is that Rosemary's Baby doesn't, it's not like they inherit an apartment from Guy's deceased father. Right. And then that's how they pull into it. It's it's coincidence mm-hmm. in Rosemary's Baby. It's it's not coincidence here. I mean, I, I just don't understand what's it's hard. It's Anne Dowd stalking. It seems very. It doesn't seem like a leap for me at all that a woman who is in this coven is assigned to track the family to monitor their actions, and no, that's fair, I which, guess. which is why she's also like when Annie's trying to leave the group the second time. That's why Anne Dowd's not in there yet. Right, she's in her car waiting for Annie. But the first time, how does Anne Dowd know she's going to be there before she already gets there that exact night? What do you mean? The do- very first time, Anne Dowd is already in the room. Yeah. How does she know Tony Collette is going to go there? That Maybe night? she doesn't at that point, no, and I, she I, see that's the first time she sees. Why would her? she be there? No, then? no, no. I've been. I, I, I hear you on that. I, I do, but we don't. Oh. But we also we, we also don't know, don't know if she that, actually lost. She might have actually lost a son or a grandson. No, no, no. I don't think that's what it is. I oh. think why would she? But we don't. We here, here's the thing, though. We don't know if Annie got to the meeting, sat in her car, and was like, "Am I going to do it? Am I going to do it?" And then that gave Anne Dowd the time to get up and then go into the meeting. Like that's I, true. I understand. The like that is, I, I will, I will give you a little bit of. Uh, uh, um, I, I understand exactly what where you're coming from, but I still don't think that it that it's not airtight or or, or that, that that is a plot hole because there's. It's I mean, a, I don't think it doesn't bother me. But, yeah. I mean, I just think it could be done cleaner. And also, we. I I mean, do they? Does she explicitly say it's her first time there? And only, oh, no, 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 Annie. Only because she lies and says she's going to the movies. And it mm-hmm. seems like she's sort of done this lie before. Yeah. You know? So maybe... Yeah, I don't think it's her first time. Yeah. No, we don't know. So if Anne Dowd... Like, if if Joan knows that she's been going to these meetings, then mm-hmm. there's your solve. But, but that's also not on the movie. Why does it need to be in the movie? Because then it's not in the text. It is in the text. If it's not in the movie, it's not in the movie. It is in the text. It's, it's subtextual. 
If it's not in the movie, it's not in the movie. That's like saying that you have to explain every single plot point in your movie and spoon feed it to an audience. That's no, leaving no room that's not what I'm for ambiguity saying, or for connecting dots. If it's like something like this where it feels like a coincidence, then you need to cover your tracks, I think. But it's designed to feel like a coincidence. Why it, it it completely we're this is where I'm saying it's like it's a, it's, it's a paranoia right just like in Rosemary's Baby and any paranoia movie when in, when it, any any gaslighting movie when a protagonist realizes that they have been played the entire time the whole thrill of watching it as an audience member is you realize along with them that they've been played but you're never like how did Ruth Gordon know that Rosemary lived there because but you don't, she was allowed them move in but you don't know that Ruth Gordon is poisoning her with Tannis root. You know what I mean? Like everything is hiding in plain sight. That's the whole point. Yeah, of it. but that's not what I'm arguing about. But you're so. But I don't. I just guess I don't understand what you're arguing then, because it sounds like what you're saying is that because it's not in the text that she's either been going to this meeting a number of times or that Anne Dowd is following her to these meetings. That since how it's not, how did they get there? Is all I want to know. So let me ask you Maybe. this: Maybe don't you think that, it, that? I just think that that would be so over-explainy to the point of zapping the ambiguity that drives this part of the narrative. And in any paranoia film, any movie where where the character has a rug pulled out from under them in the last fifteen minutes or whatever, you the whole thing is that people are hiding in plain sight. We don't. Mm-hmm. We it would make no sense to focus on Ann Dowd's character before they actually. I'm doing air quotes. Meet. We shouldn't be introduced to that character. No, that's and not what I mean. I'm just so confused. What if I'm, I'm not? Just... I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm just honestly very confused. As so to what, what you're if we're to assume that Annie? I think this is so okay. What if we were to assume Annie had had been going to the meetings? She's been saying to the husband, "I've been going to the movies mm-hmm. for a while," and Anne Dowd has been following her. And it's not until she chases her down to the car where she's like, "Okay, I'm finally gonna like." Take action, and mm-hmm. then that's when it starts. I just need a, I just need some, even just a hint of a logical reason of how, Anne Dowd found her. That, but I think that, that I think night. that at the end, when you realize there's this whole secret society that has been pulling the levers of every, like pulling the puppet strings is a better way of saying oh, it. it every could have single been character, someone we don't even know. No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like she was, a, she, they're in a coven. It's just and like her job in, was to tail Annie. In the reality of the world as constructed, I don't know how that happened. But the whole point of the movie is that the reality that we think is happening isn't what's actually happening when it comes to the grandmother and and how much control the family actually has in well, this then situation. That that should be part of the movie more. It is me. at the end when you find out that there's all these naked Satanists in the house. <laughs> like that's the whole point of what I'm sorry. I don't mean to be shouting. I'm not angry. I'm just like, that's, that's how these movies work. It's like you find out at the end that like there was this whole and Rosemary's baby. Here's my example for that too. Like at the end, you find out there's this entire secret society that has been responsible for Rosemary's sickness and pregnancy and and gaslighting, but and all of the conveniences in Rosemary's Baby make sense within the world of the movie. Well, Rosemary's Baby is a better movie. Rosemary's but, Baby is a flawless movie. <laughs> well, it's not flawless. It's made by a rapist. But it doesn't. I have no. My only problem with the with the coven at the heart of this movie is, do we really? I mean, and, and it works for him. Like, do we? Can this just be the last secret Satanist movie for a while? I'm pretty much done with sure. it. Sure. Yeah, and I, and I think this is this movie's great, so it's not it's not a detractor for me. But this just happened with the witch. Yeah, a lot of people have been saying like, I feel like I just saw this movie with the witch, which I they're think, totally different movies. I think this is a better movie than the witch. I don't. Well, a lot of people don't. I, think I, mean, I do think this is better than the witch. Oh really? I'm oh, very I'm oh, very high oh. on the witch. Um, 
But both movies are investigating a a certain type of American ideal. Yeah. It's just that old. Yeah. Um, Let's talk. Can we talk about... Oh, there's so much to talk about. We haven't even started. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm fine covering the Tony retrospective for 15 minutes at the end. I'd rather work out what we need to work out here. I mean, there's the Alex Wolf of it all, who I think we've sort of, each of us have touched on this, that we didn't realize how much of a main player he is in this movie. Mm -hmm. And the last shot is on his face for a very long time. And the one time we hold on the shot. (laughs) Well, because he's the only living family member at this Um, time. The family's gone. And he's the only one with a head. The motif, <laughs> yeah, the motif. There are no of, other heads for a close-up. Yeah, the motif of like decapitation in this whole well, and, movie. Or burnt alive. Yeah, you burning. Know? Gabriel burning. Mm-hmm. Nice. I'm, I wanna, I'm winking at Brandon. I want to talk about, just briefly, Tony Collette's um, awards can I, can chances I, with I, this. I don't want to go there yet, if that's okay. That's fine. I want to stay in the text. Let's go there never. No, no, no. We, we should go there, but I want to <laughs> stay in the text a little bit longer. I just want to say this. I think this is a really good example, the fact that it ends on Alex Wolf's face. This is a wonderful example of how the film has included information in plain sight in the text that it is his movie, which is the whole story about how... Annie was estranged from her mother when Peter was born and she breastfed Charlie. Charlie was primed to be like, we don't even, we don't know any of this time. It's just like, Oh, Charlie was the favorite. Yeah. Peter, Peter was supposed Pe- to be the he vessel. He was supposed to be the, the vessel, time. but the Annie kept time. him away from the grandmother. And then yeah. at the end, you know, Charlie dies. So it just, he's the, he's, it has to be him. He's the only other option. It also says in the book that his final form has to be male. Yeah. But Charlie was supposed to be a boy, right? Isn't there something about that in it? She says something about that. Yeah. Charlie says it was... Yeah, Charlie says, yeah. Charlie's also a boy's name. I mean, it's it, it, it's gender fluid. It's but a lot of like her... It's traditional. Grandma masculine. is imposing this because this is how That's it should be. That's what needs be. to happen right. for right. the coven. Right. Um, but that it ends up being Peter's movie actually is clear from the beginning. Including the way that... But we were saying, like, we are, we're expecting it to really be the Tony Collette show, and it's not until after Charlie gets decapitated, mm-hmm. and we just get those amazing, like, grieving heaves and yeah. screams. That, from Tony, that's what really is, what does she What story. does she heave? She says, like, I wish, I want to die. Oh, yeah, she wants to die. I just want to die. Mm-hmm. Neither of you say mood. <laughs> that scene. There's so many scenes in this movie that, like, my body was just, like, fully responding well this is where it's very cries and whispers it's you know i don't want to i'm not going to give ari aster so much credit as to go through his criterion list and say this is why it's like this this is why it's like that this is why it's like that but i do think you're allowed to have influence as a filmmaker and i don't think there's anything wrong with your influences showing no at all in no way and unless it's like a ripoff and i that, mean and i think it is the how Rosemary's baby how did you see the movie? Yeah, I saw the movie. <laughs> but how is it a ripoff to have to have? Um, I mean, I'll give you again. I'll give you. I'll give you some credit there, and that I'm kind of done with the whole Satanist angle here. But there, I don't know. I, I don't think that. What, so what does he say about Rosemary's Baby? That it blends genres. That it plays with genre. And I think that Hereditary obviously is playing with genre in a way, and that it's it's sort of this very college word dichotomy between the ordinary people family drama and an exorcist style horror film it's like i just feel like they're the same movie only one is about marriage and one is about family but Mm -hmm. like they use the exact same structures to get there but rosemary's baby is about one person like we were saying earlier and hereditary is about a group of people 
And I think that Hereditary is stylistically so separate and not interested sure. in, in doing the same. Even though it is interested in the slow build here up to the climax, it's not invested in... It's, it's not invested into the routines of a single person. Yeah, but you have like this unassuming family. You have the, the woman who seems very jolly and nice who's actually facilitating the bringing about of yeah. Satan sure. on this earth. I mean, and, and I don't think this movie is an masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And I think it's worth saying this is a first film. Yeah. And if you look at like Trey Edward Schultz's Cretia, which is very much indebted to Altman and Cassavetes and Terrence Malick. Mm-hmm. It's almost like stylistically more of a Xerox. I mean, I give it five stars. I'll probably, if we rewatch it, I'd probably give it a little four and a half or something, but I think it totally works. Mm-hmm. But like as a debut, I really don't think there's anything wrong with your influences showing like that. Even if it's like, I got my, we can, well, we can talk I off just mic get, about I guess in the, the Cretia example, I get more of, individuality all i was trying to say i still but but stylistically so funny enough with kresha i say stylistically it's it feels more like xerox homage and the story feels more original whereas hereditary i feel like it's flipped because i think the style is quite singular out of the gate here i mean i don't i i've seen some people come like i I think this is a bullshit comparison but the idea that it's kubrickian like because it's clean and fluid and Wait, symmetrical. people have called hereditary Kubrick. Yeah, I just I mean I'm like I'm like you could also say that's Altman-esque. Like I just I think it's a little lazy. Yeah, that's But but stylistically this does feel very singular to me. I think about um I think about the cuts between night and day in this film. I think about the way that the camera explores space. Oh yeah. I like how sometimes the exterior is a miniature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's fun. I mean, it almost like the treehouse almost like looks like uh, Moonrise Kingdom, like the Wes Anderson treehouse. Like, yeah. it, it is sort of this. It is surreal. It's hyper real, and yet treehouse. it feels very grounded. At the same time, it's this weird melange of uh, of styles, and I think it is adds up to something singular. But anyway, the whole reason I bring this up is like I don't understand why it can't be a little for you, like a little too. I guess I can't. I, I it's not up to me how you interpret something, but. I don't. I personally don't have a problem with the movie maybe having a little too much in common with Rosemary's Baby, when I never said it was a perfect film, and it's a debut film. And well, I guess the difference is it doesn't hit me that much emotionally. It. I think this is a really affecting family drama. Well, yeah, it murdered you. It murdered. I know. My I said. Soul. I think that's why I said. No, I think. Did you guys, were you guys uh, noticing how on the nose, and I liked how on the nose that the uh, the class teachings were mm-hmm. about like fate and yeah. what's already prescribed to happen. And like, it's like the long day closes talking about erosion in yeah. school. So I, the way that society chips at your soul. I thought that was, I like when he bangs his head. Relatable, right? That was very relatable. When the yeah. chorus of perfect places hits. Oh, that's a funny video. If you haven't seen oh. this, listeners, there's a very funny video of Lord's perfect places coming in just as he <laughs> or like smashes the, the, the his drop, face. like just as he smashes his head on the desk. Um, that scene in the full movie is much more harrowing than what they show in the trailer. I agree. His hand. Oh, it's so creepy. It, it's the it's the emoji with the hands <laughs> doing this thing, mm-hmm. like doing, like holding a platter. Yeah. Um. Uh, can I, I say one thing and then I guess we can talk about Tony yeah I don't want to talk about this movie any- I love this movie to well, death let's talk about Tony though. I love this movie to death and y'all just ruined it for me I'm are you serious <laughs> no I'm just kidding I just don't want to talk about it anymore <laughs> I'll just say 
welcome. Yeah, I'm, I'm Pairman. <laughs> Mission Hail Pairman. You don't have to hail him. <laughs> so the movie, I, I there's a complaint that wait, I, I want to talk about Tony's awards. No, no. What okay. I'm saying is, let me just say this last thing, and then we'll only talk about Tony. Great. Right. Okay. So when I'm watching the movie. I'm like, I love the family drama. I think that it lays itself emotionally bare. And I think it's really interesting the way that the trauma affects everyone differently and the way that they inflict it upon each other as working through their grief. They're not really helping each other. They're just making it worse. And what that has to say about the American family. Love that. And I also love the sawing your own head off like horror aspect to that. it. Yeah. Just, I will say the last like I can hear the bells. Amazing. Tony Collette hanging in the tower, sawing her own head off. I can last, hear like, the bells. I love day. when Alex Wolf falls out the window and from off screen we hear the sawing continue and yeah. then the head okay. hit yeah. the wood. Yeah. It's, and then also like right I think right before that we like to say like, oh, okay, so the dog is also dead. Yeah. <laughs> like every, everyone's dead. Everyone's dead. Oh yeah, the, the, the cut to the dog. Well, by it, the way. Is it a cut? I don't remember. Is it a cutter? I, I, it might I, be I, a pan. I, I remember it just being like a pan past the dog. Like enough that's time focused on it that true. you see that, that oh, yeah, the they killed the dog dead. as well. Another thing that's very Wes Anderson about Hereditary. I like um, the the laugh that happened when uh, Tony Collette's uh, headless corpse is floating up into the, <laughs> yes. the yes. treehouse. I love that. <laughs> I love it too. That, I love that like the Roadrunner <laughs> and Wiley Coyote when she's <laughs> she tries to trick her husband into burning the book to sacrifice herself. That's a very like Roadrunner thing. And, 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 and then and she, she turns her head to the camera and winks. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then he's the one that explodes and Wait, flames. so you if do... it was truly if it was truly Roadrunner ass, then like the next thing would be Gabriel Byrne perfectly fine <laughs> putting on his Tie and being like, how do I get back in there? And then, and then Wait, Tony so Collette would still actually, be on the ceiling, like hiding, <laughs> like hello. Wait, so you actually think that Tony Collette? No, knew? I don't know, but I just think that's a funny oh. image if that's the interpretation. <laughs> if that was the case, I'm just imagining. Well, actually. We'll take we'll take the roadrunner thing a step further because you actually do see her legs moving so fast that she becomes <laughs> yes. a blur yes. when she sideswipes Alex Wolf, <laughs> like when she's hiding in the corner yes. of the frame. Okay, did which you... the audience went wild Same. for, and okay, I went wild for. There's two moments where she's in the corner. Yes, did you notice the first one? Yes. in the bedroom. Yes, and then it floats. Yes. I think it's very. I, I think that's, the way she crawls. I think that. It, I mean, that's. Like, I've seen that before, but I don't yeah. care because I love how we got here. Yeah. You know? Like, but... Um, when she's banging her head on the attic ceiling. Oh, it's great. Oh, that is amazing. That's very Ben. That's yeah. very Ben. <laughs> That's... Do, 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 do. Think, as, as soon as... I mean, Tony ben, Collette, Scorpio. <laughs> ben, yeah. Ben is going to walk Brandon and I out of here. He's going to escort us to the front door tonight when we leave. And then as soon as the door is closed, he's just going to bang his head 25 <laughs> times on the door. Um, but I like... Or I'm sorry. I When I'm watching, I'm like... I like these two movies individually, like separately, distinctly. I don't think they always mesh together the way that they should. I the think the family that, movie and the horror movie. Uh huh. I still think that they're intricately tied enough um, thematically, and the way that the horror escalates based on the drama of the family. I do know that it's part of me tied. It's more about resolve. Like I think the family drama is just abandoned at a certain point, and that yes. disappointed me because I really wanted it. It, it is, but. For me, but uh, no, no, but I, my, what I'm trying to get at, and I know that other people have had that complaint I found after seeing the movie, I need to see it again to make sure that I'm not just justifying in my head, but I actually think I'm okay with it because what I'm complaining about is an imbalance. And to tie up my whole thing here about the movie being very subjective, the Tony Collette character, especially, and then if you choose to believe that all of the uh, 
I mean, the movie is called Hereditary. Uh, whatever mental illnesses in the family is being passed between the generations, a chemical imbalance is a very integral part of that character's psychology. Mm-hmm. And so I actually think that the fact that it's not all tied up and that it does create an imbalance ends up putting the period on my point about it being subjective, but also just as a viscerally, intimately subjective film, it denies us the closure that its characters are denied and that they're constantly searching for throughout the film. And like I was saying, I think it's a very compassionate film that it cares about characters' emotions and yet it's unmistakably cruel. Mm-hmm. And I think here where it, it denies you that moment and it denies the characters that moment of togetherness, that I think I'm okay with the fact that it doesn't totally mesh the way that I want it to. And do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I just, no, um, I think. I, and again, I need to see it a second time to just to make sure that I didn't just come up with that after the fact. But when I look back no, on it, I, I'm like, I think I'm okay with that. No, I I agree. The first time I saw it, I got pure horror. The family stuff didn't quite tie together like you were saying for me, and that's why I want to see it. A and second that's time and too. that's and that was that was fine for me because as a horror movie, I was so affected in a way that I haven't been affected by a movie in, a, in like in that way, like being frightened that I think it works purely as a horror movie and it's just an added bonus that like if once you see it again you start seeing the family stuff yeah. more and you do start like digging into it a little more but like just on a surface like holy fuck level it completely delivers another place I will compare it to long days journey in tonight is when all the men sit down to have a whiskey right before lunch in the first act and there's like all this like ritualistic building up to to the whiskey. Like the boys are sneaking a drink before the before uh, James Senior comes in. Like mm-hmm. and then it happens. It's like wow, this is a thing they do. That's the way that they bond. And then they just sort of like sit there and don't know what to say to each other for a second. Mm-hmm. And I see that in Hereditary and with, especially around like the family meal, like that mm-hmm. you know the I am your mother scene. Like they're all just picking at their food. They don't. They all have a lot to say to each other and none of it is constructive and none of it is positive. And so there is this sort of natural silence to the occasion and then somebody pokes the bear and then you get the second act of Long Day's Journey in Tonight or I am your mother. Mm-hmm. This is so. This is why I was saying when we were at the play, I'm like, I think I anyway am definitely going to be talking about these two in tandem because I saw them one after another. And I think they're they're not about the same things, but they they do have similar focuses. About and I think that they have families. similar views of the American family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, like I said at the top, I just really admire the creation of the American home as an unholy space, fundamentally, in in, in that you get it from the previous generation, <laughs> yeah. from the grandmother, and we are we are to assume she gets it from somewhere else, and on and on and on. Just like all of the sins of this country go back to you know, not everyone here. I'm certainly not like came over on the Mayflower, mm-hmm. but this country is consistently and will forever be affected by the sins of its forefathers and foremothers mm-hmm. um, and the mistakes and the transgressions and the sins and the violence of other peoples as well. So I do think there's like a microcosm for the whole country going on in hereditary, but mm-hmm. that's a little lofty, the family especially. So Brandon, what do you think about A24's Oscar campaign for Tony? Uh, they're going to push real hard. They're going to make us be so sick of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think she's in for the globe. I think she's yeah, in totally. for it's big SAG. Totally in for SAG. I think she could be in for SAG. She's I, very well respected by her. I don't friends. know. I think A24 pushes her all the way to an Oscar nominee. If they campaign her for supporting, 
Oh, that's interesting. I don't think that's going to happen. No, I think you have to make it a commanding, this is her no. moment thing. And that's why I think it, it can't be happen. Lauren Bacall in the mirror has two faces, you know? I don't like, think Wait, she... you guys seriously think they should campaign her? I think that they are campaigning her in I think they will only campaign her in she, lead, she is also She's also the lead actress of the film. I think that we are no. going to be holding our God, breath up until the end. they do supporting, right? Can't they do supporting? It, that would be, it's, cate- it's category fraud. She's the lead actress of the film. I don't think they will put her in supporting. Oh, is it? I mean, but my... Not that category fraud hasn't been perpetrated before, but the whole the whole story is this is her movie. Yeah, the, the, the story is this is the Tony Club movie, and it doesn't deliver on it being the Tony Club movie, so I don't think she's going to get the nomination. See, I was wondering if they could do a little bit of category fraud because Alex Wolf has such a yeah. big part. He's technically the lead. But we're talking about male... I mean, there is a gender binary in these awards. They are gendered. It is the female lead of the film, the male lead of the film. Oh, and so she she is, is the female as the, lead of the only film. female in the film. Or the, Charlie's the only, the su- Charlie and Charlie Anne Dowd would, are the supporting actresses. Yeah. Oh, so um, they do have to campaign her and lead, I, and in that case, she will not get nominated. We, we don't. Here's what I will say: I'm not willing to be definitive one way or the other, which is a bit of a cop out and a bit of a cheat. But we also don't really know what the year has in store. Yeah. Best actress has been a very strong category as of late. We have no indication, apart from the fact that Saoirse Ronan is going to win for Mary Queen of Scots, that this is going to happen again. Here's what I wanted to say at the beginning about The Vista, not to get too regional, but what has me so excited about this movie, metatextually, which is that at the 8.45 p.m. screening, the last screening of the day, it is packed. And these are not Oscar voters. On a Monday. On a Monday and on a Wednesday for Ben. Mm -hmm. Packed, sold out screening. The audience is reacting to the film. We are screaming. We are laughing. I was audibly groaning, like uncontrollably throughout the film. And then as soon as it is over, all of these young people flood onto the corner of Sunset and Hillhurst, light up cigarettes, and everybody's talking about the movie. Did that happen when you were there? That everyone, like, they're just left. So TJ, TJ had to pee. Sorry. Not to out TJ as a urinator on the show. <laughs> oh my god. But goodness. we ended up, you know, inadvertently hanging out for a little bit before leaving. And the theater was buzzing with this energy and people were discussing the film. What did it mean? Oh my God, that moment. That hasn't happened, I think, since Mad Max Fury Road. And I don't mean the event, like I'm not excluding all the Avengers and Black Panthers and I'm not excluding the, the cultural conversation about Black Panther, but just like the superhero-ness of it all. Like, did you see the ending after the credits? Like, I don't give a shit about that. I mean like an art film that has people talking and is interested. And I assume that's happening around the country. And again, these are not Oscar voters, but if this movie becomes a movie of the moment which A24 is barreling, I mean, that's what they're going for. Yeah. Like we were saying, they've pushed onto the Silver Lake. They buried How to Talk to Girls at Parties, We Are Your Friends. They're trying to make this moment happen. And and I do think that when you think about how the Academy has certainly gotten more diverse, but one tenant, one one finger on the hand of diversity is youth. And a lot of young, new, of young people are in the Academy now. Mm-hmm. I think that in A24... They are such savvy awards campaigners, as has been proven, by winning Best Picture for Moonlight, by winning an Oscar for Ex Machina. Like, the, there's a lot of examples. I think if anyone's going to do it, A24 is going to do it. Yes. I think they're well positioned. They've, they, they have succeeded so far in making this a movie of the moment. And Tony Collette, who we have to talk about now, is so undeniably excellent in this film. It's the best that, thing she's ever done. That if people get to the theater, 
I mean, the, we talk about a changing academy and we talk about how Get Out is an example, like something that can almost appeal to both because it is guess who's coming to dinner on some level. Like it, it does have this added social commentary about yeah. race in America and that feels important and it is important, but it does have this this patina of by voting for this, I'm doing my duty. The I, movies that do well at the academy do have like a very explicit social angle. This is what I'm saying. And hereditary I'm saying. doesn't. Correct. Well, it does, but it's not... It's, it's not ex- yeah. as explicitly done as getting Right. But I think the we gotta narrative... We've got to see how the year goes. Yeah. But I, 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 I am not ruling it out. I underestimate what A24 can That's do. That's what I'm saying. So, if anyone was going to do it, I they'd do it. But I still will say it won't happen, is my definitive read on it. Now that I know that it has to be lead, I'm going to say it won't happen, because before... Tonight, I thought they could campaign for Here's her a, for supporting, which what she would get. But I still think there's the narrative of Tony Collette's career yeah. mm-hmm. that her roles and her performances have been leading her to this. Yeah, I think she this moment gets her more work. That totally, gets her the Oscar. Totally. Oh, more work that then leads to that. Uh, I mean, because it, she which, will which probably win Critics too. Awards at the very least for yeah. this film. She's Possible. definitely going to get, she's going to get in the Critics he, here, circle. Here's she's going to get like, you know, the New York like surprise. Right. Or she'll be like the third place at the National something. Society of Film Critics. But the, not to get too, you know, okay. But I think like the fact that. Not to get too like, regional. What if she <laughs> got nominated <laughs> the New York again for. A horror movie. That's. A I mean, it would be perfect. But here's okay. So here's the thing, and I I think you will I think you'll both agree with me on this. These are the things Tony Collette needs for this movie to happen: universal praise from the critics, the movie to make a lot of money and to become a cultural hit. I don't think hit. it's hold, good. hold on, just hold on. Let me finish. And for it to be a weak Best Actress year, and she's already got two. Oh, and four to have a savvy distributor. She has three out of four. I don't think she's going to make that much money. We'll see. Do I mean, you think it I got know. the D plus cinema score, which I I love. But and maybe this is a regional thing. Maybe this is an urban thing. But it sold out after an opening weekend. Generally, what happens with a movie that has bad word of mouth is that it, it that it might open big, but then people don't can people don't go to see it after right. that. There's a huge drop off. I went on Monday, sold out. Ben went on Wednesday, sold out. Again, this is anecdotal. This is regional. This is urban. This is coastal. But. Coastal and urban and regional in this way are where the voters are. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Like I, I like I'm saying. I think it has three it's out of four. It's at eighteen it so far. It that's not bad. It could surpass. It might surpass the witch. It's not going to make get out money, obviously. No. But no, I'm just seeing. I don't think it's going to be. It's also a matter. I don't of, think it's going to be I, Lady Bird or Moonlight. It, it doesn't have to. It's probably going to cross fifty. Let me let me put some Do money you think on the it'll table. Cross fifty. Yes. If it crosses fifty, then it's a twenty. It's a horror, exactly. It's and, and I guarantee, I guarantee you that they re-release this movie in October, for like they did with The Witch. Hundred percent. Okay, so now let's talk about Tony Collette. <gasps> let's talk about what I think is her best performance. In the Sixth Sense. Oh yeah. Terra. All right. Oh yeah. And I know that's not a movie, but she won a. Golden Globe? She won an Emmy. She won the Emmy. She won the Golden Globe. She won the SAG. She plays... At, in the pilot, she plays three characters. And then more add-ons. The it's like seven. Yeah. And they're all fully realized human beings, and they're all different human beings. And I believe every single one of them is a different person when I look at them. It's like it's like or- Orphan Black. Have you guys watched Orphan Black? No, but, mm-hmm. but I get what you're saying. It's like... Yeah, same thing. I. It's like if they... 
kill off one of the clones, I get sad because it's like that actor is leaving the show, but it's not. Right. It's just there. She does it that so character. well. Yeah. And like United States of Terror doesn't have the killing off of any of the personalities. But it's in the hope but, that eventually she'll get rid of them. Yes. But so it's she'll like reconcile there's them? no there's no fear of missing them because she's not getting yeah. better. It's a TV show. I, right. To- you, we're not going to solve the problem. <laughs> the affair, the affair is not going to end in the first season. Mm-hmm. Maybe it did. I didn't watch The Affair. The Affair? I just saw a billboard. It's coming I back. know. I'm like, what? I thought it was canceled. I did too. And I was like, oh my God. The bed sheets are rustled and dirty again. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Can, so I know that you said you love it so much. Is there anything yeah. else you want to say about Tara? Because I want to use specifically that performance I just think, to talk about something. I mean, I just think she's so alive. I think. I mean, yeah. Especially in Tara, and I mean, and in, I mean, she just uses her body so. Okay, so that's what I was gonna say is that Tony Collette uses her face in a way that never feels like overreaching or overacting to me, mm-hmm. and yet, she, like when when Tony Collette experiences joy in Muriel's wedding and experiences uh. terror in Hereditary, she is using every muscle mm-hmm. in her cheeks and her brows uh. and everything. Tony and Collette you feel drowning. It. it is the, and, the greatest. And, and what I'm saying, it's not that it's not subtle, you know, it's a frown, you know, uh. which in her, this is why I think she's so trans, I do think she is transcendent and in her shoes and that she transcends the material. And it's she mostly does. because she's just pouting the whole time mm-hmm. and it just breathes volumes. And it's the same thing in Hereditary. When she like, I got it. Now I really wish this was a visual medium because I could do the face. But like when she's like sneering, when, yeah, when, the face on her face, when she's like, <laughs> sneering and giving like side eye at the dinner table to like mm-hmm. all of the men and you can just feel her just like am I going to say how I feel mm-hmm. and she does but we already know what she's feeling just by the face on her face and she's not even doing that much it's just she's letting her eyes or her eyelids droop down it's the scowl it's the, 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 the she, she wears exhaustion on her face she has resting Scorpio she has face resting, she has resting Scorpio <laughs> face she can hold her tongue but she can't she, she can't hide the face I mean I think that Wait, I think that, that is from? the key that's a meme I sent about oh Scorpios. yeah that is really the key to unlocking the mystique of Tony Clyde is uh-huh. that she's a Scorpio but my whole point is like people talk about performers like being unvain and it's generally mean to say like they're not afraid to make themselves look unattractive which i think is sort of a dumb way to look at it i think unvain means being unconcerned more than anything else and tony collette is utterly unconcerned with anything but the emotion she is trying to express and it feels honest and it sometimes feels over the top but i know from like seeing pictures of myself anyway that like i might think i'm doing something subtle with my face and i look like i'm tweaking you know like and i think tony collette that's something that's so human about her performances but she's also such a physical performer and this is what i would say about tara i think it might be the best example probably an easy one because she's playing like five different women but each one has such a distinct and a man and is a man well and no and buck was who I was going to bring up it like has such a distinct physicality that just by the way she, like you could see a shot from behind even if she hadn't gotten into the dress of the of the personality and you know exactly who you're dealing with mm-hmm. hereditary is obviously a hugely physical performance mm-hmm. i mean and when she's sawing her own head off it's almost like the perfect marriage of the two even though she's hanging but like the way that she's vigorously sawing with her hands and then her face is just like this like she's already dead basically uh, i love the glee on her face yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's how i feel yeah. <laughs> been getting ready for a night out at the bars <laughs> just cutting my own head off yeah goodbye um muriel's wedding 
She's so good. What a, a joy. A star is truly born. What a I'm joy. I'm probably going to give it a four and a half. I'm oh, that's nice. Boxed. I that's love nice. that. I gave, I, it, so I gave it I gave it three and a half, but only because I just had a day when I was watching it. And I was paying attention, but I could also feel myself like, I'm not connecting to the movie, and it has nothing to do with the movie. Because everything that the movie is giving me is surprise. Like, the movie... The, this movie is not what you think it's going yeah. to be. No, where, it, it zigs where and it, it starts. Zags. Yeah, and it, but it all feels honest. When it like I really love, gets into like her mom and like the yeah. class stuff. Yes, what happens to her mom? That's was, like, where it gets this really is a moving. Really like deep movie. I know. Yeah, yeah. and so I, I, I'll, Rachel I, Griffiths is incredible, unbelievable. And that was like the the first really big turn for me. Like I thought the whole movie was going to take place on vacation. Uh huh. You know, and they're barely too. there because that's yeah. like what the log line is. Uh, yeah, it's like she steals her parents' money and she goes on a trip to find a man. And then it becomes and this like, oh. this chamber drama about two young girls facing adversity in the big city while trying to remain best friends. Yeah. By the way, Muriel, the video store she works in, is a designated safe place for homosexuals. If you didn't notice that, did it say oh. that? And, <laughs> yes, <laughs> behind the counter there is a sticker that says "safe place" with like the pink triangle. Oh, oh I God. love that. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I like when the beanbag explodes. Hold and yes. Tony Collette is just laughing. screaming or yeah. laugh, she laugh, laughs, screaming. Because like, men ah! are like, what did he do to you? And it's like, here, and here's the naked thing. men. Mm-hmm. It's she is such a gifted physical performer, and that it's it's not just that like she's in a beanbag that has exploded that is forcing her to hunch her shoulders in and like press her like boobs up in a way that is sort of comical, mm-hmm. and then like pushes her face down into her neck. Like that's. Those are all choices. <laughs> like yeah. mm-hmm. she is such Whenever a. Whenever she sticks out her tongue in Meryl's oh, wedding. So oh good. my god! Dear. The Waterloo moment is pure ecstasy mm-hmm. when she and it's Rachel Griffiths so are singing beautiful. that together. Oh, I just loved it, and I really didn't think I would because, as I mentioned, I watched four minutes of it and then realized I had to go to the dentist at that moment. And you negatively tweeted about it, and I was well, and you had a cavity from the saccharin quality of it. Yes. Yeah. So there was. I was just like, after four minutes, I was like, oh no, I'm not gonna like the tone of this movie. But then after you watch it, I totally get it. And, yeah. and I think that it's, it's not. I think the movie is smartly written, smartly directed. Mm-hmm. Fun fact: I lived with the director's son in college for a little bit of time. Very nice oh. gentleman. Uh, wow. it, but it's not that it's not scripted in a way that is remarkable in the way that it blends genres and tones and that obviously the direction comes in as well. And the mise-en-scene, I think, is really compelling. Mm-hmm. But I think it's mostly one of those situations where if the actor is not able to guide you between these seemingly disparate tones yes. and the fact that the movie changes what it's about narratively every 10 minutes. Yes, it does. And that it feels fluid and, and yet not... Not in a way that is placid. Like, she yeah. is giving you so much, but it's to her credit that she is making you feel all these larger-than-life emotions through her yeah. that I think really anchors the film and guides you through it. Like, she, the just the, the desperation of her friends breaking up with her at the table, and she's like, I'm trying to change. Mm-hmm. It's she's just so vulnerable. So vulnerable, yeah. Vulnerability. I like how much my favorite thing. she cries in this. She cries a lot. And she laughs a lot. She laughs a lot. She's just loving She life. really runs the gamut. I She's love, living. I don't know. I just loved it. I loved it too. I think, it's just, I think it's a really nice warm-up for PJ Hogan's next movie, My Best Friend's Way. I don't know right. if there was one in between, actually. I don't know. But, no, I um, think you're right. Which is it. more or less a masterpiece. It's basically perfect. And... I haven't like seen it in like 15 the, years, but basically perfect. The only flaw in that movie is that in the first five minutes at dinner, Julia Roberts just says what the movie is going to be about. <laughs> but, but, but Muriel's wedding has that too. Yes. Like with her conversation with her dad at the yes. end, he's like, 
What does it say? Like, you rape what you sow or whatever. <laughs> uh, Not that that's what it's all about. But just like there's... Goodbye, mom. There's a way with the direction of both of these movies that like you think it's going to be like too broad and then you're like, oh, this is actually really serious and yeah. like, exciting. And this is and something... Cameron Diaz's best performance in My Best Friend's Wedding. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's. Uh, I think that the problem with her performance and in her shoes is direction. Yes. 100%. I think, I think that's why I think Tony isn't that good is like she's doing, she's just not... I think she's giving a little bit more. Being directed towards the right... I think she's thing. directing herself and that the woman is like, a, she just doesn't have even the support when, to do what I think she needs. I to think do. that the character is such a dynamo and a cyclone that she doesn't need to be supported by the film. She's in. somehow she gets engaged a month into dating somebody and I'm still like with her. Like, yeah, your stepmom is such a bitch. <laughs> like I'm still with her for all of it. I think uh, that Tony, Oh, the stepmom. I like when she points the knife at her. Yeah. I'm like, I, I thought of you, Brandon. Oh, thank you. When that happened, I oh. thought that was a very Brandon moment. Oh, wow. Me <laughs> just stabbing people. I'm like, this is something that he would like. <laughs> I, I think true. that Tony Collette can be so vulnerable, but in, in, and she's very vulnerable and in her shoes, but she also has this self-possession to her that radiates a woman who may not know who she is, but is fully in charge of herself. Even though as it goes on, she needs to sort of learn to depend on others, depend, yeah. lean on her family. But yeah, Muriel's wedding is a goddamn delight. Muriel. Do we want to talk about Sixth Sense for I five do. seconds? Yes, but we have to start because Tony Collette is the Jean Dealman of the Sixth Sense. Oh, if you yes, weren't paying she attention, is. she is laundering the clothes. She, she is, is making breakfast. She is caring for the son she who she knows. thinks and is lying all to her. With those she nails. Yes, and her hair is very Jean Dealman. Yes, yes. the red, she the updo. Like she looks like Jean Dealman. Yes, I actually she, meant to do one of those dumb tweets when you she, name the title of a movie. And she the also cream. just wants her child to like get along in the world. Her misfit supernatural child the sixth sense is a movie about broken people trying to fix each other mm-hmm. and my i mean i have a couple complaints about the sixth sense i do think it holds up by the way like i think i think it's a very good movie i'd never seen it before I th- what i think it was my the, first time just like the arc of bruce willis and Haley joel osmond trying to like fix each other yeah it is just like for me i think it's just like wrapped up i just like it's We've done it. No, 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 <laughs> and, but, but like I don't see. But what it I like about the, what I like about the film is that once it wraps up, they're like, "All right, see ya." Yeah. It's very abrupt. Like it he is. goes to the school play, he plays King Arthur, he pulls the sword out of the stone, and they're like, "I guess we're not gonna see each other anymore." I was like, I thought there was twenty five more minutes in this movie. But the scene of them in the hospital bed when Haley Joel Osment says that I see dead people, I wept. I cried a lot watching the six really Sense. yeah wow. i was very moved but i think olivia williams is very good having very to strong. pretend to act opposite no one yeah oh yeah in a way well, knowing the, the twist is interesting because i think it makes the movie better if you know the twist if you know the twist you realize like how airtight it is yes mm-hmm. like knowing the twist is like pretty lit i but i, I wish i could like Enter a time machine and, and watch it. Right, not of course. In, in, in 1999, when it was this big, in a way that Hereditary won't be, but like a real movie of the moment. It's it was insane. this like late summer, and it was in theaters forever. Like, okay, August. is it is it not insane the number of Oscars this thing got nominated yeah, for? Six. I think it's very six. cool. I mean, it, it. I think it's cool, and I wish something like that would happen again for uh, Hereditary. Yeah, it's it's, but really it's also my problem with the Sixth Sense is I just want it to be a child psychologist drama. I don't really need any of the horror elements. I don't, sure. I don't think they don't yeah. really work 
I think they're pretty I think the baked. ghosts are boring and stupid. Yeah, and I just think they don't even look like ghosts. The scares are a little obvious. Yeah, Brandon wants wants like a ghost story, like everyone to be in a white sheet with yes. the eyes cut out. Yes, exactly. And then give me ghosts. That's you're, just you're like, why did why was Halo Joe Osment should have seen that other ghost in the other house who's like, what is the line? Hi, I'm Kesha. Hi, I'm Kesha. <laughs> The ghost literally says, if you... hello, I'm Kesha. Mm-hmm. This is Kesha. Rare. I'm a girl ghost because I'm in a floral, <laughs> Pink floral sheet. sheet. <laughs> the past can't haunt me mm-hmm. if I don't let it. <laughs> oh, but yes. But Tony, I think, gets the nomination for the last scene in the car. Correct. Yes. But, in, I mean, it's not like she needs it because it's the strongest scene. I mean, I was weeping at that scene because Tony, I t- oh I did tear up at the Tony last scene is go- I started crying as soon as we were in the car mm-hmm. like seeing Tony's face because partly I knew where it was going but also she is cycling through so many different versions of what's happening she's trying to both be more open to what her son is telling her so he's like I see ghosts she's like I'm not just going to indulge this. I'm going to believe this. I'm mm-hmm. going to try and go along with it. And then he gets a, he cuts a little too close to the heart for her and, and like talking about her mother, um, her dead mother again. Dead mother. And and she's like, "Okay, you can't go there." And then she's sort of aggressive and angry, and then once he tells her that she's proud of her, mm-hmm. um you just see her flip through all these different emotions. It's disbelief. It's 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 overwhelming just gratitude for this, yeah. that knowing this. And then it's just love for her mother and then love for herself. And it's all dialogue free what I'm talking about here. And the dialogue she's saying like, she's basically being like, Cole. Like, yeah. Cole. <laughs> like, it's all, like she really is able to guide the emotional um, uh landscape of the scene which i yeah. think is true in pretty much every movie she's in she yes. adds these unexpected textures to every single scene yeah. she's in and it ends up making them more complex than they might be on the page i think she's an extraordinarily gifted actress she she elevates every single thing she's in yeah and and another thing i was going to say about i don't I'm, think the role in the sixth sense gets an oscar nomination for any other actor on this planet i think that's right you know I think that's right because i think most actors would overplay the last scene the mm-hmm. fact that she's underplaying it that just goes to speak what a, what a, how gifted she is through subtlety. Oh, speaking of underplaying. Even though she's weeping, yeah. Let's talk about the hours. Her one scene yeah. in the hours. Which, you know, I've never seen all of the hours, but oh, I've seen the scene. God. And I'm on the record about Wait, that, but she, I know the does scene. Does she play the, the girlfriend? The kiss. Of... No, she's in the Julianne Moore she's the kiss, right? sequence. And she comes over to ask Julianne Moore to watch the dog because she's going to the hospital because they found a tumor. And she starts crying in the chair and Julianne Moore kisses her on the mouth. And then it's like it never happened. But Julianne Moore is like profoundly changed. Mm-hmm. And she, as she's leaving, Julianne Moore says, so you didn't mind? And Tony Collette is just like, mind what? And then she leaves out of the movie. It's a very good scene. It's oh, a very good scene. Yeah, I do it's remember that. But so that's another good example of what a subtle performer she can be. But mm-hmm. have you guys seen About a Boy? No. Which she got a BAFTA nomination for. And she's I truly stunning ago. in it. And it's a pretty broad performance. She's, I mean, how many mothers has Tony Collette played? Like, But she's super kooky. She's sort of mentally unbalanced. And she wears these crazy, extravagant, feathered coats and outfits. Mm-hmm. And... You know, she's not an absent mother, but the Nicholas Holt character sort of needs the Hugh Grant character to chart this separate relationship. And yeah, that maybe it's a little problematic when you think about like what the boy needs a father. But she's very funny and it's a sharp, sort of deliciously wicked and funny performance. She's not like a bad mom. And she's able to do that in the sixth sense too, that you're wondering, like, is she abusive? Right. At the beginning? Without 
Oh, sorry. No, just that like she's a woman. She allows herself to feel frustration mm-hmm. at her children, which is something she does throughout her films. Yeah. And it's partly in the script, but then it's also partly just the way that she looks at them, which mm-hmm. is direction, sure. But it almost, you know, we don't need to... We don't need to blow this out of the water. I'm not saying that Tony Collette is on the same level as Isabelle Huppert because Isabelle Huppert is the best living actress. But there is a quality of auteurship to her performances, I think, that there's an unmistakable, like, je ne sais quoi, like, Tony Collette quality to it. Um, just, yeah, just that I think breathes through all of her work. The best living actress is fellow Australian Judy Davis. Thank you. Ah! <laughs> not fine with that. Ah! Just wanted to throw that out. And there. how great is the moment in Little Miss Sunshine at the end of that? Speaking, <gasps> speaking of awkward Little family dinners, awkward. I need to rewatch Little Miss Sunshine. I'm kind of upset we didn't rewatch it for this. And Velvet Goldmine. Also, BAFTA. Well, again, yeah. this is one of those like kooky performances. Like she does. Yeah, God. so that's that's what I wanted to say about about a boy. I feel like it's comparable to. Velvet Goldmine. Yeah. But what's so great about Velvet Goldmine she's kooky. is that she's playing a couple different characters at the same time. So in what's in the Citizen Kane like uh, narrative device, like the interviews and then the flashbacks, not only is she oh, dropping the accent, not only is she dropping the accent, but that that sort of like extravagance to her flashback character that's sort of obnoxious and overdone. Yeah is obnoxious and overdone like right. on her part. And you really it's I think it would be really hard to really grasp the gulf between those two versions of the characters and Tony totally anchors it. And how heartbreaking is the scene when she says goodbye to Brian Slade yeah. in the bedroom. Yes. I just think uh, with uh huh. Tony, Tony, just, Tony, Tony, Tony. I'm just loving her. Tony. I just think hereditary is the perfect role for her because she's in everything she does, even when she's understated, even when she's doing like a more understated role, she always has these or maybe moments. Maybe understated is not the right word. It's my, it's my bad. But just like, just a subtle more thing. subtle. Yeah. yeah. Um, she always has moments of like explosive emotion. Yeah. Which There's is like always at least one. Zings. Yeah. Always like pops. Like the punctuation this to is that bad. first family dinner scene in Little Miss Sunshine when she like goes to get dessert and then like rips open the box of like chocolate popsicles. Mm. And then the close up of her just like chomping down like yes. a rabbit. Yeah. The popsicle is so funny. She has all these moments. And like the stupid example I can think of is like in her shoes when she screams at Cameron Diaz, like, get out of my life. Like this movie is tailor made for her because the whole she's allowed to be at one hundred and ten, like mm-hmm. way over the top the whole movie. Like she's just allowed to. But then she's go also there. like a character who sort of retreats into herself. But I'll, yeah, but also up. brooding yeah. quietly. Yeah. So I feel like it quietly gives her full. On the bed. <laughs> I feel like it gives her full reign to like really. Give it, give it everything. The reason why I said in my huh? log that <laughs> like sink her teeth in her shoes is a mediocre movie that I have to see a sequel for with a better script and better director is because of the level of elevating that two out of three of the performances are doing. And then the scene after where she catches Richard Berge sleeping with from Desperate Housewives, by the way, Terry Hatcher's ex. Correct. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I knew I knew him from sleeping somewhere. with Cameron Diaz. The way that she she's like. I liked you. Like, what a yeah. dumb fucking line. And yet, through the mouth of the babes. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I like that line. I just think it's ex- <laughs> it's expected is what I'm it's saying. It's stupid. And she it's, really makes it hurt. She really makes it hurt. about her like, telling the friend, like, I'm going to use the word boyfriend as much as I want. Yeah. 
It's oh so god, dumb. I it, it, hated that really Grey's Anatomy friend just yeah. being like, just like the, every, she puts the lotion on her skin. Or every no, oh, that's her. Yeah, every moment where she's just ah! <laughs> where she's just like eating salad, listening to her friend complain. She's like, "Thank you, Arthur, for your frankness." Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like, "You gotta get rid of that sister." <laughs> that's like, literally her entire part. Every oh scene. Oh my god, that's why. What are you doing? <laughs> She's so eating salad. Stupid. Be careful. <laughs> well, I gotta get back to the grind. <laughs> off her, like, park bench. Like, fuck off. Don't let him tug the leash too hard. <laughs> okay. Honey. Why are you walking dogs? It's like, uh, we know all, like, Silence of the Lambs, you're one to judge when it comes to loving a dog a little too oh. much. Oh. Oh. Mm. Oh, my God. Are we done? Yeah. Uh, you're in charge of the episode, so... This has been Movies I Am. <laughs> <laughs> this has been I'm Tired. Um, tired. Have do... you noticed all of my letterbox logs have included Movie IMO? This is a good movie IMO. <laughs> yes. Or... Oh, no, 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 no. We're Pixar not Brandon IMO. This is a good it, movie it IMO. It's also just how I talk. <laughs> True. Let's, Accurate. Let's do a... Wow. Ra- let's do a roundtable of final hereditary thoughts, Ben. Good movie. Great. Daniel. I like that we have a horror that is built around substantive emotional turmoil that cuts to the bone and then through slices the through the bone. <laughs> um, it's my favorite movie so far this year. Great. Um, which probably makes me sound dumb, but I'm No, it doesn't, it. Brandon. Thank you. Um, this has been movies. I've seen a lot. I am of four and a halfs <laughs> and fives on the letterboxed. So live your truth. Thank you. Live it out loud. It's We're here. Me. We're all here on this fucking stupid podcast, which I, we all love oh, and is great. We're all here on this fucking stupid earth. Well, that's I, that I too. thought you were going to say planet. Podcast <laughs> and planet are not mutually exclusive destinations and occupations. Friend of the pod, Jeffrey McCran, gave it a five. This so. podcast exists for us to air our trash opinions with impunity. That's right. I, it's not a trash opinion. What, no, no. I'm saying that we <laughs> think that, that like our own things I've that. Oh, are plenty of embarrassing things on this that I one, think about. At three o'clock in the morning, I, <laughs> I do too. Sleep, but what? I, but I don't like. You know, I really love that. Pe- that there. Uh, the longer we record this, that more people seem to be listening to it, and people are reaching out to us and enjoying it, and that's really cool. But and and that's. I mean, thank you so much for listening. But I don't come on here to like be an expert or anything. I just come to like talk about movies and shoot the shit with you too. Just you know, to chat. It's just, my point is like it's we a are. safe space. We're allowed chat. to say our truths. It's a safe we're just, space. We're just, just like, chatting about Chinima with three good boys. Safe mm-hmm. space, like video well, drama from yeah. Muriel's wedding. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yes. Video story. You're video. a good boy. You're. A, you know what? You're like Brian. You're like no, 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 no. I mean, yeah, pale you, payment. Yes, and you're. I am a Satanist. Yes, and your payment. I don't want to block the flow of the podcast or anything. But you are Brian Cranston and I love dogs, and that you're a bad. You, you're a good dog who thinks he's a bad dog. Oh. Wow, bad wow. dog. And I'm Jeff Goldblum because I like to gossip. Oh. Not really. I'm Bob Balvin being like, they they weren't well off, but they'd serve me a bowl of kibble every year. <laughs> I forgot. A nice Isle rare steak straight off the grill. Exists nice and peppered. Movie. Can you believe? No, I cannot like believe that movie. Can you believe? I can't believe we talked about that movie. Okay. When I was in Phoenix visiting, been... hold quick. When oh. I was in Phoenix visiting my friend over Memorial Day You weekend, went to Chili's? We did not go to Chili's. Oh, Should I talk about Chili's? I do have some thoughts on the on the upcoming Solo oh, a Star Wars oh, menu. Um, 
he was telling his girlfriend that I do. I'm like, she's somehow the podcast came up and he was like, yeah, they did a really good job talking about Isle of Dogs. And I was like, what? Did we talk about Isle of Dogs? <laughs> like, thank you wow. so much. Like, thank you. But I blocked what? that out. When did that no, happen? I don't remember that. Neither do I. <laughs> that was so long. And down. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Okay. That, quickly. Something about Tony Collette's performance in Hereditary. Yeah. I'm, I know. Oh, we didn't talk about Ann Dowd shouting, Peter! <laughs> Peter! Oh, I wanted to bring that up. <laughs> Peter! <laughs> okay, continue. Just quick, I know I talk too much. I'm sorry. I just want to go to bed. I do too. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But one of my favorite things about Tony Collette's performance in Hereditary, because we didn't actually talk about it too much, apart that we all think it's amazing. I think it's Oscar-worthy. Oscar-worthy, of course. Not Oscar-worthy, Oscar-nomination-worthy. When she wakes up Peter and Gabriel Byrne, who is absent from our conversations because he's also yeah. absent from the movie. Correct. Except for that one line delivery. <laughs> there's a head there's no head on this corpse. It stinks up here. It's like in forty five years when Charlotte Rampling goes up to the attic and, and finds the pictures oh, of yeah. her. Yeah. It, like Gabriel Byrne is the Charlotte Rampling in forty five years of hereditary. I love the CGI flies. Oh, some, the just, way the some, way they like clearly are I, wiping away at nothing. I love how unsettling some of the like some of the static imagery is. Anyway, can't talk about that. I said just this one thing. What I love about the Tony Clyde performance, she's waking them up in the middle of the night to go do this seance, and she is behave like she is convinced of it she's because manic. She's manic, and she's so hyper convinced. But you can also, and partly because she just witnessed a ghost happen. Mm-hmm. What in a pre in the previous what? scene with Ann Dowd? What? But she is so hopeful at the same time and she's just she's just choosing to believe it right. and she wants everyone to get on board and it reminds me so much of like when we all go through our own like personal traumas whether it be like a death in the family or death of a friend or a breakup or loss of a job or blah 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 blah, blah anything like that like we all hear about these remedies or like things that we should do like oh, yeah. do yoga like do tm like all these different ways that we're supposed to get over our grief or work through our grief and when you when you find something that like works one time, you get so like feverishly committed to it, mm-hmm. and I just think you feel that in the performance, yeah. and I think it's a really That's what I felt. extraordinary moment. I like in that scene when the dad's like Peter, go to bed, and then Tony's like, no, 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 all you have to do is this, 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 and Alex Wolf is like, yeah, I'll stay, I'll wait, I'll mm-hmm. stay up. <laughs> I think that's the first time he really like whimper cries. His mm-hmm. I love his crying. I love Alex Wolf crying. He's in this movie. very good. He's it's very damp. such. It's what such a, a damp boy. Pretty good, good. damp boy Pretty for good. my damp boy. <laughs> for the damp boy. Like, All right. Like for the hungry boy. Do you get it? I'm mm-hmm. winking at Brandon again. That was my meme. Brennan of the made, day. Twi- oh, that at me. You did? Yeah. Did you not see that I told that? No, I thought I just made up a joke. No, no I made up. I made up the joke. I'm the joke captain now. <laughs> so it was um, Vicky. We Creeks. can talk about it off mic because it sounds like you. It sounds like I just missed something. Mm-hmm. It was just Vicky Creeps being like, "You're the hungry boy," and then it's Alex Wolf having no face, and then Vicky Creeps <laughs> saying. For the damp boy. boy. And then it's Alex Wolf face app smiling. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Pretty good. All right, this has been Movies I Am All. This has been the Tony Collette retrospective slash hereditary episode. Please um, 
you know, go on, uh, you know, your podcast iTunes app, the podcast app, rate us five stars, <laughs> and let's give a little assignment. What's your favorite Tony Collette performance? Yes, if if you were to be in your shoes, what would <laughs> what would that be? What if is you were to, sixth sense, yeah. If you were to if you were to saw your own head off <laughs> with a string, um, add us. At uh, us. And, I say, on Twitter. and also, like, write us a nice review. We got a very nice review this week mm. from a gentleman who harbors crushes on us. Yeah. Huh. And we have a crush on you, too. Yeah, we th- we love that. Yeah. It made all of our days, I think. Yes. It, it really did. It was nice to hear. <laughs> so just compliment us. Today. Well, just Com- <laughs> if you compliment us, you'll get a shout out. Yeah. yeah, we need to start doing that to incentivize mm. listener feedback. We should probably look up that person's name, but it's... We'll, it's like well, we will, we'll bring it up next week. It's I, it was like D Luca Shock or something. Yeah, it's like okay, so You knew exactly what it was. No, I don't know if that's correct. No, well, you know what? Like, if, if that's like that. you, why don't you? If you're on Twitter, add us on Twitter and let us know if that. And what, by the way, what is our Twitter handle? Movies I M O. Interesting. That's what I would have guessed. Wow. That that should be really easy to keep track. Isn't of. Isn't it then. amazing we acquired that handle? Yeah. Wow. Mm. Well. Um, wow. <laughs> Next mm. week we're talking about mm. Pride. No, no. Bitch. Oh, no. <laughs> shit. <laughs> talking about Spo- Wow. Spoiler, Spoiler for the the episode after next. We're talking we are talking about, about the 2016 2015 film Pride. <laughs> <laughs> Is that going to be one we're of the talking I like We're that talking movie. about Pixar's 20th 20th okay. 20th I want to say 20th. Okay. 20th feature Incredibles 2. Starring Edna Mode. And Holly Hunter. <laughs> Starring Brad Bird as Edna, Edna Mode. Mode. And Holly Hunter. And Holly whoever Hunter voices the dad. Craig, Craig T. Nelson. T. Nelson. Oh, fun. Craig T. Who voices Jack-Jack? Me. I believe that is you. I mean, that's why... Uh, it's my uncredited performance. I mean, this is our, you know, just like, just like you know, <laughs> Mark Maron moved out of the old garage into a new house and... This is our first episode. We're not recording at Ben's. We're in like Brandon's new mansion that you I'm just rich bought. I'm from my Jack Lake, Jack like, like residuals. The Silver Lake Hills. Yeah, nice. so you know, under the Silver Lake. Thank you for being in The Incredibles too and buying this new house. And the air conditioning here is delightful. It's been a hot day in Los yeah. Angeles. I'm freezing right now. I'm gonna wear a park under the next here. recording. <laughs> it's truly great. We should probably wrap it up. So I'm saying that more for me. My this is saying for me to me by me. Um, I'm Brandon Kirby. You can find me on Twitter at BK Kirby. Oh. Ah. My name is Ben MB. <laughs> ah. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Real Todd Haynes. Hail Payman. I'm Daniel Crook. You can find me on Hail Payman. Hail Payman. Okay, that's, that's Brian Rude. <laughs> it interrupts me like that. Well, no, I mean, Hail Payman, of course. Hail like payment. We're all on the same page. Yes, and Hail Payman. Absolutely, of course. I want to be a decapitated corpse bowing down to payment. That's what I can't get out of my mind. Like, there's just some very unsettling yeah. static <laughs> images in this film that I cannot get out of my head. And, and one is the bowing, decapitated heads. <laughs> my name is Daniel Peter! <laughs> Peter! Let me get away from the mic, just like Ann Dowd, who's across the street. Peter! <laughs> 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 Gabriel oh. Byrne in the Attic. <laughs> I'm Daniel Crook. You can find me on the internet at Daniel Crook with three O's. And like Tony Collette and In Her Shoes, I only came tonight because I thought I was getting a drink out of this.
I just touched my lips to the foam oh. of the mic. Okay, turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that's enough. The winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.